following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. And welcome to another edition of Rediscovering the Indies, an independent wrestling history podcast. I'm Chris Gello, joined alongside Jonathan Ash. Hello. And it's over. Four months of XPW. It's consumed our life. We deep we did a deep dive into it. We learned a lot. Uh both, you know, regrettably and non regrettably. <laughs> A lot of Rob Black research. Yes. And a lot of uh, Rob Black podcasting. And our prediction was correct. XPW, apparently, according to Rob Black, is coming back. So we're sorry. We, yeah, you know, uh, it's going to be an interesting fall between uh, the dark side of the ring and the uh, return of XPW in November, apparently. So, uh, and what's crazy is that his first show is going to be like, for me, an hour where I live in, we're, it's where you live in Rochester, it's like New York. A ten minute drive, yeah. So uh, we're gonna keep an eye on that, uh, you know, and uh, f- for that, for the people, the speculation and the rumors that we caused the return of XPW. I, I'm, I'm not taking credit for that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not building us up to be that big, a, a big contributor here. But Dark Side of the Ring. <laughs> I, I know we're getting blame. I've been, I've, I've received quite a quite a bunch of messages from other people just just with their disappointment towards me <laughs> thinking that i'm to blame for this um uh real quick uh, i want to thank uh our, our returning sponsor here uh on the podcast uh, the wrestling entertainment network wen uh really really great youtube show make sure you're subscribing to their youtube uh they've had a really good month with the uh, youtube subscriptions and uh let's keep that number growing um and we, you know we'll talk about them later in podcasts but check out wen the wrestling entertainment network something different but still in the realm of pro wrestling which is pretty cool um but yeah we'll kind of get into it so we're changing gears here this is not xbw part five not yet there <laughs> eventually there will be apparently <laughs> but no, we're going to talk about a story that I don't think it's told enough. And uh, 2001, let's just set the scene. And uh, 2001, WCW's gone, ECW's gone, and wrestling's in this weird flux. Like, who's going to be number two? Who is going to be the the number uh, two promotion to just rise up and, and maybe contend with WWE and we eventually learned a year later that TNA would grow to be something that like did was fairly successful had a pretty successful run but there was a lot of people that tried there was the WWA there was uh XWF um and uh there was I generation <laughs> Rodman <laughs> down under a lot tried, and I'm probably forgetting some too, <laughs> you know. But XPW was, was was still trying. Pretty much every podcast subject we've done so far have tried in one way or another. Yeah, but in 2001 was really interesting, and up came main event championship wrestling, and uh, John Collins and main event championship wrestling is going to be the topic today. Real quick, uh, 
before we go any further, uh, of course, want to thank where we record the podcast precinct and of course our great network, the BICBP uh, Radio Network. But yeah, we'll get uh, we'll get right into it. And the main event championship wrestling story doesn't start in 2001, but it starts in 1999. It's not owned by John Collins. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, this is actually from the Observer, August second, nineteen ninety nine. Reno Riggins main event championship wrestling debuted with a television taping on July twentieth in Nashville before about eight hundred fifty fans, which uh, approximately half were papered. They had a four camera shoot with production values including pyro, a ramp, big big ring entrances that far exceeded that of the local Music City wrestling group, reportedly spending about thirty thousand dollars on the show. They tape three to four weeks worth of television, but at this point, uh, they appear not to have a local outlet with Les Thatcher and Dutch Mantel doing the announcing. During the show, Riggins ran down Music City Wrestling, although much of the undercard consisted wrestlers from that promotion. They also announced a return show in November. Apparently, the wrestlers from Music City uh, that worked will, will be allowed to work Music City as well, so it isn't kind of a promotion war at this point where the talent is being asked to take sides. But among the talent appearing was Tataka, who won the group's world title by beating a, a huge Yokozuna, who apparently blew up fast and simply left the ring to get counted out for a flat finish on the show. Also appearing included Wolfie D, Tommy Rogers, Stephen Dunn, Semu and Fatu as a Samoan SWAT team, Brickhouse Brown, Terry Golden, Stan Lane, Stephen Dunn, Bushwhackers, no showing the event were Steve Kern, Chris Candido, and Tammy Sitch. Um, and he, here's the results uh, from that show. Uh, Sin, uh, also known as Chris Champion, beat Al Rose. Bushwhackers beat Corey Williams and Ashley Hudson. Tataka beat Bill Lewis. Chris Michaels beat Todd Morton. Stephen Dunn and Reno Riggins uh, beat Rose and Lewis uh, by disqualification. Stan Lane beat Hot Rod Biggs. Uh, Brickhouse Brown beat Terry Golden. Tommy Rogers beat Wolfie D. Semu and Fatu uh, beat Itty and Bitty Little. Uh, Michaels beat Hudson. Dunn and Lane beat Semu and Fatu. And uh, Tatanka beat Yokozuna by countout. Um, it's kind of funny that this is the preface, you know, because this promotion in itself is trying to be much bigger than it probably should be. Yeah, and 99, you you still have WCW and ECW around. So it's it's a crowded field in the fall of 99. But yeah, spending 30 grand and putting on a product where, yeah, like Meltzer said, that's a lot for a Tennessee area indie and booking a lot of the same guys, but also booking like the Head Shrinkers, uh, Yoko... Tatanka, Bushwhackers, like a little bit of mix there. But like, what was Reno Riggins' whole, like, what what was his game plan? That's not really discussed. Um, and also, where did he get 30 grand? Uh, so I have no intel on this. This the is job just... We're making 250 a booking. <laughs> well, I, I have no intel, and this is just me spitballing this, but um, him and Steven Dunn <laughs> did work pretty regularly for Burr Prentice and Music City Wrestling is the... Tennessee uh, vowels, uh, and what I think probably happened was I think Stephen Dunn was in that team with him. Um, what what probably happened was they had a disagreement, pay or something. And he's like, "Well, I'm going to run something bigger than you." And you know, there's no athletic commission in Tennessee, and costs to run a show are pretty cheap. Even though, he, but he's like, "Oh, I'm going to go big. I'm going to be bigger than Music City Wrestling." So he probably just found a money mark that was able to throw a few a few grand at him. 
I would imagine. But this this clearly because looked... obviously it didn't continue. So yeah. this looks like something out of Revenge. <laughs> like 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 uh, oh yeah, I'm gonna run my own promotion. You know what I mean? Like you know the the, the he's gonna seek revenge on Burt Prentice for you know screwed him over. <laughs> so and where's the footage of this? Who owns this footage? It it would be interesting to see, and it's. You know, you got you got to feel for Tommy Rogers. Like in 1999, he probably should have been contracted, and he's working this and he's working that. Uh, the um, oh, what is it? The, the Yokozuna one in the casino in Mississippi, uh, Night of Legends or something. Yeah, you, you know what I'm talking about. The, the infamous Jake the Snake Roberts. Yeah, you got 21, I got 22 promo. Um, but yeah, so I mean, and 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 there's the preface. So. We're gonna get into how how does this tie into John Collins and and and, and what he's doing in uh, 2001 here, and we'll uh, we'll get right into it. This is from the Figure Four Weekly in 2001, August 6. Uh, the latest comical attempt to become the number two U.S. promotion is Main Event Championship Wrestling, based out of Evansville, Indiana. The company, which claims they will promote old-style wrestling without the TNA, will be running their first major show on August 11th from the ECW Arena in Philadelphia. John Collins is the, and this is from this is from Alvarez. John Collins is the money ma- CEO of the company, uh, and Sandman uh, is the head booker. Collins runs an arbitration company, so he claims that the promotion will be incorporated and everyone's going to receive health coverage and 401k plans. This is such a disaster in the making, Alvarez says. They're billing Kurt Henning as their world champion, Public Enemy as their tag team champions, and the much heavier than 220-pound Tracy Smothers as their light heavyweight champion. Collins, who is in early 40s, uh, must have some cash to spend because he's already allegedly signed Henning, Public Enemy, Buff Bagwell, Joey Abs, Christian York, Joey Matthews, Sandman, Domery, Simon Diamond, the, the Public Enemy. Oh, looks like they're listening there twice. <laughs> Good job, Alvarez. <laughs> Francine, uh, Sabu, Chris Jetty, Roadkill, Danny Doring, and the FBI. I kid, I kid, Alvarez. We all make typos. Uh, but he, he's reportedly also talking with Scott Hall, Blue Meanie, Jasmine St. Clair, Mikey Whipwreck, Michael Shane, Jack Victory, Jason Sensation, the Road Warriors, and Randy Savage. Sources backstage suggest he could also afford a lot of beer. <laughs> Uh, they'll claim they'll be running three shows per night every weekend and eventually syndicating their television nationally. Collins claims that beginning September 18th, TV will be airing on UPN 57 in Philadelphia, uh, the Amer- the America One uh, Network, the Sunshine Network, and the uh, Southern Indiana UPN affiliate, which also serves part of Illinois and Kentucky. Sunshine Network has already denied this story. <laughs> right there should have been the red flag. <laughs> um, but... Uh, Collins uh, claimed they denied the story because they're still negotiating. He wants a broadcast crew consisting of Joey Styles, Don Callis, and Terry Funk. I guess I should be happy that all these guys are getting paid, but I hope they save uh, some of this money for when they're unemployed again in about three months. This is so the AWF all over again. A dude with some money signs a bunch of guys that nobody wants to see, spends a... Uh, exorbitant amount of money syndicating the show nationally loses his ass and all the wrestlers will laugh their way to the bank. Why doesn't uh, anyone ever learn their debut in Evansville drew uh, less than 300 fans. Most of which got three in a 3,500 seat building sources say Collins may have lost money on the show. Those backstage who didn't think they were other superstars said the egos were out of control and no one had a clue what they were doing. 
uh, guys were partying all night and being driven around in limos and just generally enjoying the good life at Collins' expense. And no, I don't blame them, nor I do feel sorry for Collins. After watching Tough Enough, I've lost all respect for anyone who tries to get in this business without doing at least a half hour of solid research. Uh, Collins also doesn't have the best reputation among those who know him. One source called him shady at best. And said he was listening to all the wrong people. He also theorized that Collins doesn't have the kind of money he's claiming, uh, nearly the kind of money he's claiming. Imagine someone in wrestling who might not be telling the truth. This business is going straight to hell. Uh, Alvarez do a little Nostradamus there. <laughs> Look, I, I, I right there. The red flag is the TV uh, outlet denying that. Yeah, definitely. And uh, it, it's mentioned a little later. Uh, in the notes, this show that we're talking about in Evansville wasn't actually a yeah. main event championship wrestling show. It was a Coliseum Championship Wrestling promo- Coliseum Championship Wrestling show uh, that Collins and his crew invaded. As I do that in quotes to try to build uh, to build up some momentum. Yeah, and but yeah, it- like we've seen it all before. Like we talk about it every every month here of. Guys, like especially booking limos, like that's that's not cheap. So, if you wanted to know what kind of happened with the sale, so the there's a there's a current owner, Jason Daniel, uh, of this uh, of main event championship wrestling, and he recognizes prior use of main event championship wrestling named by Reno Riggins and Steve Dahl, and he also recognizes the use of of, of John Collins. Um, and what it looks like is that Jason Daniel and Tracy Smothers facilitated the uh, transaction purchase uh, from <laughs> Main Event Championship Wrestling from Reno Riggins and Steve Dow on behalf of promoter uh, John Collins. Uh, and here the transition consisted, and, and, and like this is from Wrestlepedia, the transition only consisted of an 18 by 18 foot wrestling ring, uh, MECW vinyl banners, and the three championship title belts. So... Uh, that's very interesting um that's what you get when you buy an indie fed though (laughs) you it's it's not worth anything like the the physical possessions are worth more than the actual name of the company what 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 i find interesting on this just start your own company what lineage did this have? It had one I show. Know, like I didn't know how much Reno Riggins charged him. I, I definitely overcharged him. I gotta say, Reno Riggins and Steve Dollar are look. They look geniuses in this. They the ran pro- their promotion. It didn't work. And oh, this guy's gonna buy the name. I'm sure they made more. They, they made that thirty grand back. How much of a cut did Tracy get? You think? <laughs> like, it's, it, it, it it just makes me think of uh, the most wanted treasures where that seller had somebody else on his behalf. And Charlotte's like, how much money are you get? <laughs> so what you're saying is we need a indie version of Most Wanted Treasures where someone's trying to buy an indie fed and we're haggling for the price. We we can be that liaison. <laughs> if you're trying to sell your indie company to somebody, we'll, we'll definitely be that. Um, all right. Uh, we're we're going to take it uh, back uh, to the Observer on August uh, 6, 2001. Uh, looks like a lot of people are... <laughs> I, I I don't mean to laugh, but it's just like him, like Meltzer and Alvarez just know it's a money. In two, yeah, in two thousand one, they know, they know they they don't have any faith that this is going to work out. 
Um, looks like a lot of people are planning on losing a lot of money promoting pro wrestling over the next few months. Uh, uh, more notes on the main event championship wrestling promotion that's looking at running a full schedule with as many as three different touring crews every weekend in the fall. Right. So initially it was three shows every weekend, but now it's different touring crews. It's just this is expanding here. Oh, man. <laughs> he... He didn't learn how to walk before he wanted to run. Uh, first uh, first major event is August 11th at the ECW Arena, headlined by Kurt Henning versus Buff Bagwell for the MEC t- uh, Main Event Championship Wrestling title and Sam Amber Sabu. Now, they're looking at starting on television on September 18th via the local syndication route, an expensive proposition that uh, many who have been in wrestling say under the current television marketplace is suicide because you can't make the money back for what you have to spend for time in house shows, nor given the current wrestling environment selling ad time. Uh, Jason uh, Collins of Evansville is heading the group. He bought the main event championship wrestling name as well as other assets from the failed company from Reno Riggins. Now, they say that he ran some shows in Evansville in the past, this is from Meltzer, with, with, with Doug Gilbert as the booker, but that didn't last long. Uh, wrestlers working for the company have thrown around figures like $200 million as the amount embarked for this venture, although the same wrestlers, given those numbers, have privately told friends in, in, in wrestling different stories. And here's what you got to remember, folks, um, and if you want more on this, uh, you know, I, I, I do suggest uh, My World with Jeff Jarrett, but... Jeff Jarrett, who was a name in wrestling, and Jerry Jarrett, who ran a very successful wrestling promotion, had trouble getting money and financing. You think this guy, out of the blue. Oh, I got $200 million. <laughs> Start my own promotion. <laughs> like, we, we, we talk about money marks, but I, a lot of wrestlers seem gullible, too. Like what kind? What type of car was John Collins driving? Like an old, an old beat up Ford. Like you just look at that. Look at how he's dressed. Like does he have two hundred million? Probably not. Um, reports of uh, reports of how many uh, wrestlers who have uh, actually signed contracts at this point seem exaggerated and uh, begin wrestling. Uh, everyone is skeptical of everything until it happens. Uh, others found it strange that in a company where there's supposedly unlimited resources that uh, there will be an exception of the big-name talent. Everyone was told that they would have to drive to the venues, even if the venues are 12 to 15 hours each way. But money is being spent as they had a major party scene backstage in Evansville on July 25th and had two stretch limos. The biggest names were working uh, for $1,500 payoffs, which would be considered high, but not necessarily outrageous on an indie level. And that's, I mean, that's your, I think that's really your top tier name that will work a match is 1500 probably. I mean, during that, during that era, yeah, that's what I've heard yeah. for that era. Even in today's world, that's probably, because they got in that, it's a legend that. I mean, uh, yeah, unless you're fresh off WWE. Yeah. Like recently released. Braun Strowman, 20 more. grand, <laughs> Well, that's on the opposite side of the spectrum, but yeah, <laughs> yes. um, yeah. If you're gonna, if you're an indie guy, even a former WWE name that wants to get out there and work, you're probably around that era, around that, maybe a little bit more, depending on if a if a uh, agent is taking a cut. But I, I don't know if I appreciate that line or not of uh, refusing to pay for flights because flights it's... you can't brother brother an airline, you can't get a deal with flights. Like you can, but you can't. Like you can't get a deep discount. Like that's still going to cost you money. So if if you're having a budget and telling people that are 
four, five, six hours away to drive. Like that's a that's nothing out of the ordinary that like a Ring of Honor or MOW or a lot of top tier indie feds do. They well, don't they don't go crazy with the flights because that can kill you. But and and I agree with you, but that's from a modest company's perspective. Like if a guy's like, hey, I'm going to run a wrestling promotion, I want to do a little bit of production, I want to do a little bit of this, a little bit of that, you know, I don't have a lot of money, so, you know, I'm going to ask you guys to drive, but I'll take care of you. Like, that's from a modest promoter. You got this guy getting limos and throwing giant parties, and you know he's paying the the, the big names a lot. Why wouldn't you go, oh, you could, you could buy a flight for me. <laughs> like, that, you know that's how they're thinking. Yeah. The, the, like, wait, I got to drive 12 hours. You have a limo for no reason. Use that on my plane ticket. What what was included in this party scene backstage? <laughs> like it doesn't sound like it was it Herb Abrams type of party scene. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> like, we, can only, we can only we can only guess. We we don't have a lot of intel in that situation. Um, but uh, besides the names mentioned last week, uh, b- b- back to Dave. Uh, also uh, appearing for the group will be Bagwell, who is obviously taking this very seriously because he turned down several bookings with Dusty Rhodes as a thousand dollars per shot for this gig. Uh, Joey Abs, Michael Shane, Tracy Smothers, and they're looking at getting the Road Warriors. And this past week, Kevin contacted Kevin Nash and some of his friends. Uh, the group is supposedly to be heavy into a violent uh, production, but staying away from the sex aspect, uh, feeling that it will damage its ability to garner and keep television, even though it's looking at fun- finding women to train to wrestle. Uh, considering the WWF at this point isn't exactly knocking them dead at the arenas, running one loaded show per night, running three shows even at smaller venues sounds awfully ambitious. Uh, they're also talking about running internationally, which seems to be everyone is looking at because WCW, even in 2000, when they were dead in the States, did huge business in Australia and England as a novelty. I mean, that was the WWA mentality, and WWA did really well in Australia and Europe. And decided to come to the States. <sighs> yeah. I, you know, the thing with Europe and Australia is you've got to know that it's a, it's it's completely different. Like, you know, like. You want to base your whole model there, that's fine. But then you're flying American wrestlers into Australia all the time. And, 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 and you know, and either you're just going to be a company that's based in Australia and use people that are not far from there. If you're an American company, you, like, you can only do that so much. Yeah, it's it, it, it pops great business, but then you come back and you draw <laughs> a lot less. Like, I... Be one or the other. Basically. I mean, look at look at TNA. A lot of people said TNA should just base themselves in England because of how well they did in the UK. And I pretty much agreed. Yeah, they were doing TV tapings over right. there. They were, yeah, that would have worked for them at that point too. Because even if you do amazing business, my my point when I'm trying to get at here is even though you do amazing business in these areas, if you don't base yourself out of it, the, the money you make in the end run is not going to be worth it because. Flights are super, super expensive, from I mean, especially in Australia. We just got done talking about XPW running Philadelphia, yeah, and, and flying people in. So yeah, that that will kill you. All right, uh, the the they sort of debuted, and this we're get a little more detail what this weird show is. They sort of debuted on July twenty fifth, doing a run in at the local Coliseum Championship Wrestling promotion, which does weekly shows in a thirty two hundred seat building, usually drawing between sixty and eighty fans. Uh, the group, which ran a uh, debut show in um, Vincennes, Indiana, the previous weekend with the same crew drawing about six hundred fans, did a major local media 
Blitz, uh, hoping for a big turnout as well as doing heavy papering. Since they got some local media to attend uh, the dawning of the new era, and 80 fans in the building will look pretty pathetic. But even with all that, there were only 200 uh, fans uh or 220 fans there. It started by Sandman, who uh, has dropped noticeable weight, apparently, from his ECW days, caning everyone. Also running in were Public Enemy, Smothers Bagwell, Fidel Sierra, uh, Chris Champion, and Henning, who uh, everyone has seen uh, him at late remarks. At 43, he looks the best shape of his life, and we would see that in 2002 when he popped up uh, in the... uh, in the Royal Rumble. Uh, but Terry Taylor was backstage running the dressing room. And although as a press time, he had not committed to the uh, project. And after all the problems in WCW where nobody was in charge, he wants to, uh, wants complete power. If it comes to run the wrestling end and ended with Bagwell coming out with all the belts, giving PE, the tag titles, smothers, the light heavyweight title and hanging the heavyweight title. Collins did an interview on the uh, station claiming that the group was already the number two promotion in the United States. I think everyone with a pulse and wrestling claims that these days. My feeling is that when a company can draw more than 3000 paid to a live event, which OVW, AAA, and another Lucha group have all done in recent months, and not until that time, and nobody can claim to be the number two and have it mean a thing. Uh, Collins made a threat towards uh, WWF saying they would be uh, number one in 36 months. And those of you quote savers put that one next to Hogan's quote from two weeks ago. Which I don't know what he's referencing, but I'm... Suing Hogan. Probably an XP, X- XWF. XWF, group, XWF yeah. was going to be, yeah. Uh, Sandman himself, who was a booker who was flirting with the idea of putting a bid to buy the ECW name, uh, because with all the EC, EC, ECW exposure in WWF, the name actually means more now than ever before, uh, and using it in new markets would at least pique some interest more than main event championship wrestling would, but Collins didn't go for it. The idea is to use Joey Styles and Terry Funk as television announcers, and Don Collins is Doug Callis is either an announcer or manager. Both Bobby Heenan and Mark Madden have also talked about been talked about regarding announcing. Okay. Red flag number two. <laughs> this guy doesn't think trying to buy the ECW name is worth it, but buying the main event championship <laughs> wrestling name that ran one show in, in Tennessee is worth it? Well, obviously main event championship wrestling didn't lose as much money as ECW. So it's gotta be a better brand. Right. And also too, I think at this point, even though it was still in bankruptcy, I think WWE is getting this name. <laughs> like, like why does Sam even think there's a, they got a WWE shot? would fight for the name and they eventually yeah. did. Like you're not going to outbid the WWE on that. Yeah. Um, and I just, I looked up Vincennes, Indiana, uh, Population, 18,000. It's sort of in the middle of St. Louis, Indianapolis, Louisville, Cincinnati, Terry Howe. Like, if you just look at, like, a circle with all of them around there in Evansville, too, it's kind of in the middle. So if this was a really good fed, uh, you could draw fans from all different cities. But you're not – you're obviously not drawing in the middle of nowhere unless you have a name. You know, and 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 the even then that market's kind of is kind of crowded because you got you know OVW, uh, you got uh, IW Mid South, IW Mid South, and I think Mike Sharp or not, not Mike Sharp, Mike Samples was running something too. If if, if I'm if I'm not mistaken at that time, 
But yeah, I mean, it's kind of a crowded market to to this day. Indiana <laughs> is it, it, it is a pretty crowded market, uh. as as we know with Indiana's uh, lack of athletic commission and lack COVID rules. Like they seem to be a hotbed for wrestling in the last the last year. All right, here. Uh, so uh, we're going to go to Figure Four Weekly. Uh, this is August 9th, uh, 2001. Uh, main event championship wrestling runs August 8th in Barberville, Kentucky. Uh, August 10th in nearby Hazard. And August 11th in Jackson. Using such names as Joey Abs, Otto Schwanz, Tracy Smothers, Kevin Northcutt, and the American Dragon. Smothers, by the way, is no longer the light heavyweight champion. The belt now belongs to Michael Shane. Although how he got it was a mystery since the company has not run any shows yet. Uh, in a correction from last week, Main Event Championship Wrestling d- uh, didn't run their first show in Evansville, Indiana. Instead, they invaded a CCW show. The first show is still scheduled to run August 11th at the uh, former ECW Arena in Philly. It's going to be a free show since they're taping it for TV and don't want 150 people in the building. Red flag number three. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they, they, they will be uh, putting tickets uh, on sale uh, for the next show that evening, September 22nd, in the same building. So they uh, damn sure better have the hottest show in wrestling history. Otherwise, they're going to be hard-pressed to sell any tickets to those fans who got them for free. Uh, this will also be the first day that they run a split crew since some of the guys will have to be in Jackson for that show. So your debut show, you want to run in Jackson, Tennessee, and Philadelphia. Um, but it, I'm so confused. But yet, it isn't your debut show because technically, like Barberville would be or would be on August eighth. So like, this, this is Hazard, all Kentucky. so this is all so confusing. Like, what? Why did he not just run one? Like, what is he doing? I mean, and from everything I could tell, none of these these they, three shows never happened. Happen. Yeah. No. Oh. I mean, I say from what I can tell, like, I think I'm pretty confident these never happened. I mean, this, these talents must have thought his money was good. Because, they, come on, these are some smart guys. You know, especially Tracy Smothers can't be going, split crew for a company that ever debuted? <laughs> I think Tracy just, as long as the money was there. As long as, as, long as Collins fronted him the money to run these shows. I don't think yeah. Collins was even there for them. Or even cared. Uh, All right here. So, uh, I mean, wrestling also sent a press release last week claiming Kurt Henning has reached a verbal agreement with the company. The release continued. Uh, when Kurt Henning signs his name to something, it's as good as done. Wait a second. Did he sign or verbally agree? Uh, something doesn't uh, doesn't gel here. Uh, maybe he signed a contract in spit, which would both be a signed and verbal agreement. John Collins, the money mark behind the group. Once again, this is Alvarez. Uh, gave an interview to Palooza Radio last week. He said uh, that uh, Made of a Championship Wrestling wasn't started overnight. They've actually been around for a few years. The truth is, Collins bought some equipment from the old MECW promoter. So, in essence, the new version did start up overnight. He said the company was going to be fan-friendly. And then after the show was ended, that there would be telling fans that they would go out to hang out with the wrestlers. Uh, I wonder if the wrestlers are aware of this yet. He said money made uh, at personal appearances will be donated to charity. I uh, wonder if the wrestlers were aware of that one, too. Uh, I hope the charity is the John Collins Struggling Promotions Fund. <laughs> because otherwise there won't be a whole lot of personal appearances made before this thing folds. Uh, he said Sandman had one of the best wrestling minds in the business. He's right. When I think of great wrestling minds, I think of Vincent K. McMahon, Antonio Inoki, Jim Cornette, Sam Mushnick, uh, Shoei Baba, and, of course, the Sandman. 
<laughs> Speaking of main event championship wrestling, uh, Buff Bagwell worked for them last week and made a whopping one thousand uh, dollars off a forty five thousand dollar investment. Basically, the WAF agreed to provide him three months worth of severance pay after he was released, but then he worked this show, so they cut him off. That's my favorite part of. <laughs> that's my favorite part of this whole story. Man, Buff released like, oh, there's. I can take it right now because this guy's this guy's gonna take care of me. Buff made a lot of bad decisions, uh, bad business decisions in two thousand one. <laughs> he did, yeah. This 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 is one right here. He, um, he needed to he needed to work in the middle of nowhere, Indiana, for a grand, and turned down all of Dusty Rhodes' bookings. All right, here and uh, we have a uh, we have one uh, more little blurb here from the uh, Observer before we actually get into the show, and we got a whole lot of stuff cool from a lot of sources for that. But uh, this is from the August thirteenth Observer, which technically would have been uh, out after the show, but. Back then, it's 2001, so... It, they were mailed out, so, yeah, yeah there's, there's delay. Um, they seem to be uh, the on-paper claim plans for John Collins and Main Event Championship Wrestling, uh, which a lot of people have already making comparisons with the late Herb Abrams. At first, uh, they're going to run two territories, an East Coast territory headed by the Sandman and Midwest-South territory headed by Tracy Smothers. Collins said he had contracts with the Sandman, Henning, and Public Enemy. The first major show was August 11th at Philadelphia at the ECW Arena. They never announced a lineup, did no advertising other than putting up flyers near Philadelphia, and didn't even put tickets on sale. The idea was to sell tickets at the door for $20, and apparently they thought simply that the internet buzz would draw, but four days before the show, apparently scared of turnout of 200, 300 fans, and that they were going to tape television, they announced that the show would be free. The idea is to encourage people to spend $20 tickets for the next show. While matches uh, were announced before the card, it has all changed, and nothing was announced except Kurt Henning, Buff Bagwell, who uh, apparently blew his WWE severance package of three months or fifty grand? That was reported here by by Melter uh, by appearing with this group: Francine, Domery, Sandman, Sabu, Fonzie, FBI, Public Enemy, Barry Windham, uh, Mike Rotunda, and Danny Doring will be there. There are already problems as Joey Styles publicly talked. Uh, about being an announcer, said he never agreed to anything with the group and isn't with them. Terry Taylor's situation is iffy after Collins missed a scheduled meeting with him where they were to make a deal, and Henning is really frustrated on a lot of levels, both with Taylor saying nobody would get a guaranteed contract, as well as them flying him to Kingsport, Tennessee, to work a Southern States wrestling show on August 3rd. Bo James, if you're listening, or your friends of Bo, we need to know this story. So... John College paid for his flight to go work for Bo, according to this. I have to know more about this. But so they can do an invasion angle that uh, nobody but a few hundred local fans would see. So, wow. <laughs> I've made him a championship wrestling Southern State Wrestling <laughs> invasion angle. That's the first I've heard of that. Um, but, yeah, he uh, – let's see here. Uh, Henning is uh, pushing for uh, – more uh, control and wants to bring in Bobby Heenan as an announcer. The next set of shows are September 20th, September 23rd in Danbury, Connecticut, Binghamton, New York, Philadelphia, and Salisbury, Massachusetts. And they have a Canadian tour in November. Were they thinking of running the American Legion in Binghamton, New York? I, I guess. I guess. You know. 
Um, too bad that show never happened. Maybe a young Johnny Moose would have attended. <laughs> oh, he would have been there. <laughs> Some new names uh, mentioned this week include New Jack, Chris Harris, Spanky, and Prince Justice, a.k.a. Abyss. Uh, there is a tremendous amount of... Uh, skepticism uh, to this venture as mentioned last week not only because Collins himself has admitted of a past prison record red flag number four <laughs> and the people who have claimed to have been signed haven't been signed red flag number five <laughs> and many haven't been even contacted plus there have been denials that talked about television deals none of which have been substantial enough to build something at this level to begin with <laughs> <sighs> I'm still amazed at the, I, at the roster when you look at you're running. Why did they get, Why did they go? They they like. <laughs> but you look at look at the roster. Like half of them are ECW style workers, and the rest are Southern style wrestlers. You got Barry Windham, Mike Mike Rotundo, like Kurt Henning, you Buff Bagwell. You have like a a mix, and I don't think it's a healthy mix. And well, but I think my, you're you're you have two different uh, promotional tactics here i get the ecw guys putting faith in this guy because they're like well you know where else if, they we're going? and paul did it and they put their faith in paul Heyman. Like, yeah so if WWE wasn't going to sign them at that point they're like whatever and they're all very local but a guy like mike rotunda at this point is pretty much retired why leave your home unless this is guaranteed money yeah like you know a guy like, hey, like, like mike rotunda coming out in the ec in the ecw arena like the U.S. Express against Public Enemy, and like and and, and I think the the Terry Taylor thing's interesting because you could have had a Booker there. Whether you like Terry Taylor or not, Terry Taylor Sandman. Yeah, that's uh, you Clash know, of Styles. Nothing against the Sandman, but like you know, if I'm if I want to run television tapings, I'm probably going to have Terry Taylor do it since he was doing it for WCW like for years and WWE. Yeah, yeah. So, but uh, we have something interesting here uh, by doing research of this and. From a IGN message board, somebody posted a transcript of a radio interview that John Collins did with Noel Holbard's radio, and uh, and I'll I'll get right into it here. Um, uh, so so he's being interviewed uh, by the uh, by the host Jason, and so. I'll start with this here. They had their little their a little bit introduction, but I'll start with this. Jason goes, let's get right in the mix of things. The main event in championship wrestling has been creating a big buzz recently regarding some of the talents who will be involved with the promotion. What convinced you to launch the promotion and take it to the big stage? John Collins response. Well, I think we've got guys like Buff Bagwell, Kurt Henning, Public Enemy, and a lot of guys who are going to be at the ECW arena tomorrow night. Build that building. What better place to have our inaugural show? I think we've got guys. <laughs> red flag number six uh jason i couldn't agree with you more it's a great venue to watch a wrestling event a lot of great names as you mentioned and two other names that are involved uh with the company are sam and tracy smothers what role do each of them play in the mecw promotion and john collins response well the sam man is the booking and talent coordinator in the east and tracy smothers is going to book us down in kentucky and tennessee if you listen to the internet though tracy smothers quit yesterday uh i was drinking a beer with him down in evansville indiana at the coliseum the same night that new stuff was released so there we go see don't believe what you read on the internet uh that's not a bad idea either of if you're going to run different territories, have different set of different style in each area. So 
I, I can understand where he's coming from there. Yes, but he should have ran one show in <laughs> first, like in one space with one style, and then branch off. Um, another host from show essay, speaking of smothers and those rumors, it was noted that he was in and then out of the group. His status is still good. Right. And John said, it has been good. He never left. Essay follows up with what were the chain events that got the rumor out? Uh, and John goes, I have no idea. I don't read it. People tell me about it occasionally, but unless, but you know, unless it's like ESPN or something like that, I hold no validity to it. Ah, those damn dirt sheets. Well, yeah, I mean, he, I mean, I'm sure he see what Alvarez and Melter say. Um, now, uh, J- uh, Jason goes, you know, thank you for the plug, John. We appreciate it. One obvious issue is that in order to make it to wrestling, it needs to be on a stage where everyone can see it. As far as a national TV deal goes, where do you stand with the company at this point, And what is the process you'll need to go through in order to get main event championship wrestling onto the big screen? John goes, well, we've got three verbal commitments right now from national television companies. Folks, this is 2001. Fusiant couldn't find a TV provider for WCW. ECW couldn't find TV in 2000. Three verbal commitments for national TV. John Collins claims. You know, verbal commitments is, oh, yeah, put something together and then we'll we'll talk. (laughs) He goes, that's why uh, tomorrow's show in Philadelphia is our pilot. Uh, those are going to be sent out. And, you know, God willing, it's going to be okay. And Vince McMahon is going to have a little competition here real quick. So I just could... like you said, the verbal commitments are send us your tape. It's like <laughs> it's like you get hold of a record label. I'll, I'll tell a story for me. I, I remember thinking I was going to have this great opportunity. So in college radio, I actually hosted a soft rock acoustic show, <laughs> Mellow with Gullo. And I was like, oh, I'm about to graduate. I think that this certain station would probably be a good, uh, you know, and I'll tell a story. I don't care at this point. I'm not a radio business. So Star 102.5 and uh, Sue O'Neill was like the program director at the time. She may still be. I don't know. But like she was like at this like this um media like convention thing we had at buff state where it was students and people in the business and like you know and i'm on these panels and i'm thinking like oh man like i'm gonna impress and and all that and i said hey yeah you know uh hey sue uh, and i think she might have been a wby alumni too which is like oh you know oh yeah hey sue o'neill this and that oh yeah just send me your tape (laughs) said the tape got no response like i think that's That's a verbal commitment like yeah like oh yeah just send me the tape and I think it's it's like that, <laughs> you know. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Just, just yeah. You sound good. Just send me your tape. Yeah. And I think that's exactly what happened here. <laughs> um, and uh, I've 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 definitely finished that. I will never work a Star Wars two point five again in the Buffalo area. <laughs> that's really not your <laughs> genre, anyways. Not anymore. No. Um, uh, now. Uh, now this is from SA. Now, John, what was the reason you decided to make the show on Saturday night at the ECW Arena free? For all the fans, John goes, well, the weather, 98 degree temperatures. I didn't want to. Honest to God, I've said this from the first time anyone has ever spoken to me. We're going to be a fan friendly company. The fans are actually doing us a favor, showing up to help us with our pilot. Why not let them in for free? So he's blaming the building for not having air conditioning. Yeah. And here's here's the thing with TV tapings, right? You a lot of them have all notoriously been free 
like Impact. Um, I attended an Impact uh, taping uh, years ago at the at Universal Studios. It was free. You had to wait in line and hope that you're the you know what I mean. Yeah. But but going back to WCW Saturday Night was always free to get into the traditional uh, exactly center stage, the traditional tapings. Um, ECW didn't really do traditional TV tapings, so they charged and w- and WWF always charged because they just did them really with that. They did them in arenas, yeah, in arenas. Um, so that concept there, that's fine, but don't do it at the ECW Arena in Philadelphia. Get a TV studio. Do it like Memphis TV. And, and that's the thing. You're, you clearly have connections to the South with Tracy Smothers and Bo James. Have them put something together for you. Do it. I mean, honestly, the XWF, it looked like they were doing it the right thing, doing those tapings you know, at Universal Studios. And, and quite honestly, that was probably the best productive product of that time period of those promotions. And, you know, and they still didn't get a TV deal. <laughs> so. Well, you had... You you had Brian Knobs working in the office. That was the issue. <laughs> um. So back back to back to the interview. Uh, Jason said, "Hey, it's unfortunate that not everybody does business the the way because I think uh, one you're going to have a packed house. If the host of playing playing favor to him. Uh, you've got a lot of great names on the bill tomorrow night, who I'm sure are going to give a great effort. It's a shame that more people don't know what the main event championship wrestling is doing tomorrow night." And promotion is doing tomorrow night. John goes, you know, we're friend fan friendly. And that really is the bottom line. We want the input of everyone. And I'm really looking forward to coming to Philadelphia. That's exciting to me and the fans up there. I hear are the greatest in the world. So we'll find out in 27 to 28 hours. We'll just find how crazy Philadelphia can get. What do you think? And we did find out. We're flag number seven. I think we're at seven. I don't remember now (laughs) at this point. The show's tomorrow night in Philadelphia and he's not there. You're the promoter. You don't unless you didn't you're, fly in the day early. Unless you're a touring company like WWE, where it's it's pretty much set in place, and you know Vince doesn't have to be in that. But he probably does go to wherever Raw is on a Sunday night if there's not a pay per view. He he, pro- he, he he did back in the day. The yeah. Attitude Era shortly after. Yeah, they were there the night before. You really should be there the night before, especially if you're, you're flying in some of the names. You probably want to take them out to dinner. And there's a and, lot of names on this that are high maintenance too. You kind of need to be in town to deal yeah, with any issues. Bring in Buff Bagwell and Kurt Henning, get them a dinner, like you know, and make sure they're on the same page. And because show day, you got a million things, and then you could you could squish some issues, potential issues on that night before the show by being there in Philadelphia. Yeah. Plus, you don't even want to talk to the arena staff. Where are you going to set up this, set up that? Like, like, yeah, how is your ring crew going to set up? The, where are they going to set up the ring? What's the issue with the lighting? What's the issue with the production team? Like, oh, um, so j- the host, Jason, goes, I'm sure there will be th- they will be pretty crazy. I do have to ask you, though, how bad is it going to hurt on Sunday when you wake up with a major dent in the checkbook. And John goes, not at all, not at all. The way we see it is we're still going to make money on merchandising. We're still going to sell advance tickets for our September 22nd show at the ECW Arena. But after tomorrow night, hopefully they'll rename it the MECW Arena. Well, XPW uh, did that not too shortly after. What merch? What merchandise? (laughs) Just like a shirt with a logo on it? Like he's he's talking like he's Vince McMahon with a giant fucking warehouse. 
<laughs> and like a mail order, mail order operation going on. I don't here. know why this show is so funny to me. <laughs> um, because uh, it just like how did no one like. You knew the I mean, end. It's you 2001. Knew this movie. <laughs> like, I mean, in hindsight, in, I, think, I guess. Yeah. People just wanted something to grasp on because everything yeah. was gone. If you look at that perspective, I could see that. You look at WCW, old WCW names. We all, we all hope for, for TNA to succeed as, at first. Yeah, ex- exactly. Um, but he says finances. That's just not an issue with it right now. The issue is to produce the best television pilot we could possibly get. Uh, you know, get the fans of Philadelphia up off their feet and just go crazy. Hey, we're not going to charge them for a whole seat. We just want a little corner where we're going to keep them on the edge all night. I kind of, I, I kind of like that, that, that way, the, the way you put that. Uh, SA goes very good, John. Uh, when you look at uh, the WWF, WCW product, what do you think is lacking, and what could Main Event Championship Wrestling bring to the wrestling audience? John goes. The bottom line is when you look up tomorrow night at the marquee at Viking Hall, it's going to say professional wrestling. It's not going to say owner. Uh, get over yourself. Um. And I think he means that like the, the owner wanted to be part of it because I think he's seeing Rob Black be part of storylines and all that. And Heyman was involved Vince. in the story. And Vince was involved in the story. And Bishop wasn't the owner, but he was the president. Was I mean, involved. when we went through the XPW stuff, we realized, too, Rob Black wasn't a character at first. No. So if this were to continue, John Collins would have been a heel, it, a heel manager. Almost no. every company we've talked about. I think the only one that really kind of hung out was Roland Alexander. <laughs> yeah, he never became a... Well, he was a heel behind the scenes. Del, Del Gandhi did stuff. Like Roland was a heel after Beyond the Mat, <laughs> yeah, so he yeah. didn't need to be on, on screen. Uh, uh, Jason goes, that's a great way of putting things. A lot of the... See, this SA guy's asking good questions, and no offense, I don't know who this Jason guy is. It's probably a guy I like now, but he's really trying to butter John Collins up like, with this. Um... But uh, just because that's a great way to put things. A lot of the complaints with the WWF programming center around the McMahons being too involved and not letting their superstars dictate what goes on. Uh, just just give it 20 years. Uh, <laughs> so, so, so here's something. I think I know why they're buttering him up. Because during this era, WWE really tried to control the narrative. They didn't send, uh, they didn't allow radio shows to get uh, WWE guests. You're correct, because I had a show... That started in 05, well, 05, late 05, and we ran the same issues. We never got WF guys. When I produced the Monday Night Mayhem radio show back in the early 2000s, uh, it was the same thing. We were on college radio and then eventually podcasting in the mid-2000s, same thing. We all we were heavy on TNA at one point because TNA, was, they were the only guests we could get. WWE refused to send guests to anything that was a wrestling-related radio show. We had a similar thing. Where I was in the first iteration of Turnbuckle Talk, I'm no longer involved in Turnbuckle Talk, but I was in the first iteration of Turnbuckle Talk that I that I started in 05 at WBNY in Buffalo. and we, You took over for the Monday Night Mayhem yes. show when, when uh, our there host was, got us kicked off the air. There was maybe like a gap of five, six months. There was no talk wrestling talk radio, and then it popped in there. The, uh, our, our, yeah, our host got us kicked off the air, and then we went internet only to podcasting, and you, you took over. And it's funny, we took over, and... Of course, WF was really tough, but even TNA, because you guys had like almost an exclusive deal, it seemed like. TNA was tough. So, Ring of Honor, we interviewed a ton 
yeah. of Ring of Honor talent, like a lot of them. Uh, so, so it was we had like the Ring of Honor exclusive, but not really exclusive. But you know, so yeah. Well, no, we had to butter up Dixie a lot to get some uh, TNA guests on there. But even eventually, towards the end of my run on the show, like it was, it was the same thing. Like it was getting t- harder and harder that we couldn't book them independently. We had to go through the office, like. But I could see at this point, like you're just desperate for guests, and anyone is coming on your your show that's non WWE, you're gonna you're gonna be nice. You're gonna put them over. So this is John Collins' response to <laughs> to to the McMahon thing. He goes, "You know what would happen if I got in the ring with Kurt Henning? He'd kick my ass in 30 seconds. That'd be over. That's just the bottom line. There's no value for me to get in the ring. I don't want to be there. I don't need to be there. I'm not the guy who." Uh, brings in the money, the athletes, and that's exactly what they're, they are. The athletes in the back provide all the entertainment for everybody. Uh, I don't provide any entertainment unless I'm drunk and staggering and people laugh at me. Oh, the latter's going to happen. SA goes, well, we're glad uh, that you have that view on things because it does hurt TV. Uh, John goes, I think the problem with wrestling entertainment right now is three-minute matches, 15-minute interviews. That's just what you think if you don't have the access to the Titan Tron. You pretty much can't see a lot of the program, I would think. Uh, now, is that right or wrong? We're not about comedy. Tomorrow night, we're gonna you're going to see exactly what Main Event Championship Wrestling is going to bring to the table. We're going to bring old-fashioned wrestling. And I guarantee you something right now. With New Jack, Sabu, Sandman, and Public Enemy uh, there, I think everybody in Philadelphia knows what's going to happen. Uh, you know, 2001, it's the Attitude Era, it's 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 fading out, but I, I don't think people were ready for violence, but still family-friendly wrestling either. Yeah, it's a weird transition period. Because, you know, people, people rib on TNA for that stuff, for a lot of the stuff they did in 2002, like the Johnsons and, you know, Puppet and T.O. and, and all that stuff. But... It, you know, if they did that in 2005, 2010, uh, but it, that, that era still craved some of that. You know, you're still got a heavily influenced Howard Stern, Opie and Anthony pop culture type era. Not saying it was good, but, yeah, you know, if he's just going to want to basically run, you know, really what it sounds like he wants to be World Wrestling Council. <laughs> They're, you know, like WWC. I don't know if that, that that's going to translate in 2001. But uh, uh, Jason goes, uh, those guys are very extreme. <laughs> it should be interesting to watch. Where John responds, they're like little kids in a candy store right now coming back to Philly. I promised you that. And Jason goes, I got to tell you, I did speak with Buff Bagwell earlier this week. And he indicated to me that he doesn't have a contract with Main Event Championship Wrestling. What's his status with the company? Do you hope to sign him in the near future? John goes, from my understanding, Buff is still under contract with the World Wrestling Federation until October 14th. He and I will sit down at midnight on October 14th. As adults, we will sit down with a pen and paper and we'll go with it from there. The thing about Buff Bagwell is he's been at every main event championship wrestling show. Has missed none. What shows? You didn't have any. Oh, and by the way, the problem child the label that he's had, I've never seen it. He's been all company, shakes the hand of every young guy he's met, gives them pointers on what they could do better, uh, their thing in the ring, and he's all around a tremendous asset to our company. Now, full disclosure, I've been on shows with Buff. Like, yeah, he's so, been a, he's been a great guy to be around. Yeah. Yeah. 
No, I, he's he, he's a good time. But also, too, you haven't ran any shows. You can't defend Buff Bagley. Okay, so he did the one running for you. And it cost him 50 grand. <laughs> he's not under contract anymore. He violated that. Uh, SA, uh, I'm glad to hear that... Uh, I'm glad to hear that, John, because he does have the image of being a problem child. And John goes, well, good Lord, a broken neck and 15 knee operations. If that don't make you at least have some animosity to somebody, I don't know what the hell would. 15? <laughs> I, I don't think don't he had. that. Maybe now he's had 15 knee operations. I don't I, It's like scoped, maybe? 15. I, I don't Besides Buff Bagwell coming to the Federation. We have some other big names. This is from SA. Uh, but there are also some other big names out there. Who would you most likely have work to work in that main event championship wrestling that you do not have? And if talks begun with any of the following stars, such as Randy Savage, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, the Chinas, Jeff Jarrett's, those people who are still out there. And those are definitely impact players in the business. John goes, I, I would absolutely, you know, I've already heard the rumor that I've signed China. Fact of the matter is I've never spoken with her. Uh, I've spoken with Randy Savage on many of occasion. I've spoken to Terry Taylor on many of occasion. I've not spoken with Jeff Jarrett, but would much entertain that option. Sting, I would entertain the option. He, he's, it's so casual. He says, like, Sting, you would want Sting, bud. Sting's a big star. He probably didn't take your phone call. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, would you sign The Rock? Oh, I would talk to The Rock. Like, of course you would. <laughs> you know, you know, we're not going to be... A, bring in a so-called superstar and don't know how to word without making someone mad because I don't intend to do that. I just think there are so many good, young, talented professional wrestlers on the independent level right now that have never had the opportunity to showcase what they can do. I'm not going to pass those guys over. You know, some of those bigger names don't want a chance to come in at MECW and be a team player. and We don't want them. I'll go get some of these younger guys and showcase what they can do because some of them out there who can flat out go. Uh, you don't you don't want the guys that can't be a team player, even though you book half your roster on those guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's just, but the, you got all the Buff Bagwell stuff floating out there, and uh, I'm only here for team players. <laughs> the guy had his mother call, which <laughs> he still denies to this day. But Jim Ross does not deny it. Um, Jason, uh, John, there's, is there going to be a website available anytime soon for fans to keep up with MECW? And, and John goes, two weeks. <laughs> how, how come that became, well, it became the default over the last year of just, just, just saying, like, oh, two weeks' time, two weeks' time? Like, but yeah, you're running your first show and you have no information out there. Yeah, it's the early days of the internet, but still, like, it's. The lack of advertising is the big thing with this. And we'll get into a more because as it, as we've already pointed out to the observer, like all he did was fly her around Philadelphia, like that's not going to help. Uh, <laughs> um, like how many feds are running the Philadelphia area at that point? Like you're not that that's not going to cut it for you. Uh, SA, I've got one last question for you, John. Uh, what what will it take to bring this company to the national stage and succeed where others have failed? John goes to the fans. We are a we company and not a me company. We can't do anything without 100% loyal support from the fans. They're the ones who, you know, pay the wrestler's salary. They take care of all the expenses. They make it possible for us to have a quality product. Uh, we have to cater to them, and I think that we will. Well, I... I I don't think I know we realize that, and that is exactly what we're going to do. Uh, we're not going to falter from what we want. We're going to go from A to B, 
or from A to get to B, but we're not going to skip anything over but because but everything is based on the fans. Now, Wesley goes, I definitely hope that it works out. Uh, and as a fan, and John goes, hey, are you, you're going tomorrow night, right? And Wesley goes, I'll definitely be there with him. And uh, John goes, uh, I'm going to spend a lot of time myself outside tomorrow. I figure if the fans got to stay out in 90-degree weather and wait for the doors open, then I should as well. Oh, so maybe that sun caused his health issue. (laughs) Too too much sun outside. We'll talk about that health issue very shortly. Um, Jason goes, uh, I'll tell you what, fans. You've got to love an owner who's willing to hang out there with you and basically go through the uh, sweat that you're going through in the 98 degree heat tomorrow night. But that's what you're going to get with John Collins in the MECW promotion. John, one last thing before I let you run. I'm going to throw out five names out there. Give me a quick answer to each person. This was a very popular thing in shoot interviews for a while. Uh, first name is Paul Heyman. John goes, never met him. Jason goes, Vince McMahon. He goes, John goes, don't want to meet him. Then Jason goes, Eric Bischoff. John goes, never met him. Don't want to meet him either. Uh, yeah, because, you know, you don't want to spitball ideas from great minds in the business yeah. like McMahon and Bischoff. And Heyman. Uh, uh, Jason goes, Kurt Henning. John goes, I can't hardly do that in a word, but Kurt Henning is a tremendous human being, not just being a professional wrestler, uh, asset to society, uh, just for the type of person uh, and the character the young man carries with him. Uh, he's 42. <laughs> like, at this point, for two, four, three, like, he's not a young man. Um, Jason, and finally, uh, main event championship wrestling, John goes, future. Uh, Jason goes, we're hoping uh, the promotion does well and we're going to be there tomorrow night to support and we look forward to seeing your workers and talking with you uh, tomorrow night at the ECW Arena. John goes, every fan in the Philadelphia Viking Hall free show, Henning, Bagwell, Sandman, Sebu, and a few surprises. And then we're getting pretty much a, you know. Yeah, it's pretty much it for the interview. Yeah, ended there. I mean, he he, he asked him the greatest ring announcer to ever ring announced, and he said, uh, and John asked that to the to the uh, host and host says he says Bobby the Brain Heenan never rang, ring announcer never never rang announcer okay <laughs> yes but uh, yeah so I found that interesting um, when we were when we were doing our research on that and and you could see here oh man the stuff he's saying like it he's saying all these big things but he's making a point to not totally like commit to like. The, t- the Kurt Henning stuff and the Buff Bagwell stuff. And and you just said that you can't negotiate a contract with Buff Bagwell, but then you're promoting him for tomorrow night. Yeah. <laughs> you had him do a run-in. <laughs> like, so, yeah, we're going to talk October 14th at midnight. <laughs> um, so an, an, another uh, thing that, 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 has been, that has been brought up here um, is the, the Sandman. <laughs> and, you know, we talked about it. Very interesting choice of a booker, especially you got 2001 out there and Dusty Rhodes is out there. Terry Taylor is out there. Um, I mean, whether you love him or hate him, Vince Russo's out there like there there's names out there and he just gravitates towards the Sandman. No, I give Jim Fullington the benefit of the doubt. He does have a good mind for wrestling. My personal experience with him, he does know how to get a reaction from a crowd, and he does. I've seen him at shows helping out young talent with ideas, but that doesn't mean he'd be a good booker. Uh, so this is an interview. Uh, this is actually from Slam Wrestling. Uh, 
in uh, July uh, 30th, 2001. Uh, so a little, little before that radio interview here. Um, and and it's written by uh, John Waldman. So Sandman, a longtime wrestler for Extreme Championship Wrestling, is officially headed to the upstart main event championship wrestling organization. Uh, Sandman goes, somebody, uh, Indiana lawyer uh, John Collins, uh, came up to me and said uh, they had a lot of money to back it. He told Slam wrestling during an interview on Friday in Winnipeg at Jabroni's Wrestling Store. <laughs> what a- so he's doing a signing. <laughs> Sam and a real name, James Fullington, will also act as head booker for the Upstar Federation. He has been influential in bringing a lot of a lot of talent to MECW, including Kurt Henning and Tracy's mothers. They're all hand picked by myself. He said. Him and Henning have like a relationship for that short time. He was in WCW, like. I don't think I've ever heard of heading in the Sandman being running boys. I have, I, I can appreciate that. Um, many many of the workers uh, contracted for jobs at MECW are wrestlers from ECW who have not signed with WWF. Another name that's being mentioned is Randy Savage, and Sandman goes. We've we've talked to Randy Savage, but we're not exactly sure what we're going to do yet. <laughs> no, you don't have Randy Savage. <laughs> well, I'm sure I'm sure John Collins is telling Sandman that, that this. this is yeah, him. and Sandman's believing. Sandman's taking that face value. Sandman 38 is best known for his work with ECW, where he was a five-time world champion, as well as a one-time tag team champion with two gold Scorpio. Uh, Sandman looks back at his time with ECW with fondness. ECW was great. The locker room was great. The camaraderie with the guys at Sandman. ECW was the best to work for. He's also spent time with World Championship Wrestling and XPW, Extreme Pro Wrestling. Uh, Sandman's gimmick reflects his own personality. He received advice from former boss Paul Heyman on what to do with his gimmick. The cigarette smoking and beer drinking Paul E. just said, go out there and be yourself, he explained. Uh, this, in addition to Singapore Kane, came as a result of uh, caning the American uh, Michael Fay uh, received in Singapore after spray painting cars. It was stuff that was in the national news, and we took it right out there to the national news and brought it to the wrestling ring. And uh, during his career, uh, Sandman's wife, Lori Fulton, has participated in several angles, including taking a pile driver from the ring apron to her table uh, that left her seeing the chiropractor for a month. Uh, Sandman recognizes his wife's desire to be part of the business and trusts the guys to work with her in the ring. She wants to be a star like anybody does, and she's willing to do what it takes to be one, he said. She knows the risk involved. Sandman is optimistic about MECW's chances and feels that the product will be really strong. He goes, I think we'll have the second largest wrestling in the company in the United States come September or October. He said, watch out for main event championship wrestling. So I do kind of agree with you that he... He seems like he doesn't know a ton of the behind-the-scenes thing. I think he's just believing everything that John Collins is telling him. And he, I mean, like I said, I'm, I, and I'm, I love Sandman. I've worked with Sandman. He is a blast. But I think it, it, it. I thought it was an odd Booker choice, but also to it, maybe because Sandman never had that position, John Collins is thinking, "Oh yeah, I can, I can pull one over." Yeah, and you know, here's some fresh ideas. Yeah, uh, but pull pull one over on. On Sandman, um, any uh, any thoughts about Sandman? There, I mean, there wasn't a lot in that in, in, in that Slam wrestling. Yeah, it was more of a fluff piece. But but I mean, they're getting out there. They're doing press this way. They're they're doing advertisement, and you know, in 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 in, in this way here. But uh, um, I'm I'm also shocked to at least not list in the notes that we've read so far that uh, that they haven't done TV commercials. Like at this era, why did you do local TV commercials during Raw and SmackDown? I just the, the, the that that I don't understand. Uh, it, it's you 
Yeah, I mean, it, it local companies all over the country buy them for for raw and stuff like that. Like, why not? It's not that expensive like, to do a local. Yeah, do a local spot through the cable company. Uh, so we will take it back here. Uh, we'll, 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 let, let's go over the results, and then we'll read the Observer, and then we'll read Bob McGee's thing. Um, but uh, we'll. We'll go to the results. This is as of cagematch.net. Um, so th- they're announcing an attendance of 1,000 on here. Um, and the show officially was August 11, 2001. Uh, New Jack defeats DeVito. Uh, Chris Chetty and Danny Doring defeat Christian York and Joey Matthews. Uh, Buff Bagel defeats Jack Victory with Steve Carino in his corner. Hot Commodity, the team of Chris Hamrick and Julio De Niro, defeated Hell on Earth, uh, Prince Justice, and Rob Williams. Uh, Kurt Henning defeated Chris Harris, for, and that was for the uh, main event championship world heavyweight title. Uh, in the main event championship wrestling tag team titles, false count anywhere match. The public enemy, Johnny Grunge and Rock Rock, defeated the FBI, uh, Little Guido and Tony Mamaluke. Uh, in a singles match, Simon Diamond defeated the Blue Meanie with Jasmine St. Clair. Uh, three-way dance, Crowbar defeats Billy Real and Roadkill. Uh, in a tag team match, Mike Rotunda and Rock and Rebel defeat the Gladiators. So you know who's licensed. <laughs> yep, uh, Gary Wolf and Johnny Hotbody. I, I just side note: I want the team of Rock and Rebel and Mike Rotunda. <laughs> I, where is the footage of this? This needs to be on IWTV. I'm sure Emil would want this. If yeah, if want to watch this? Uh, and then we have the uh, main event championship wrestling APW APW hardcore <laughs> title. <laughs> Uh, stairway to Heaven match. It was vacant for, uh, it was Sabu with Bill Alfonso defeating the Sandman. Um, I don't know where they get the APW from because I looked it up. Its lineage is just made of yeah. wrestling. I have no clue. <laughs> uh, Where's Rock and Rebel running at that time? Like, what was his fed? Because maybe, maybe that was it. Maybe they just need a title belt, and they grab someone's title belt that just says APW on it. And decided to use that. <laughs> that, that. That possibly, you know, Appalachian Pro Wrestling or something. Exactly. Uh, I just kind of want to run down the card real quick as far as who was there, like our thoughts and all that before we before we get into uh, back back to the uh, Observer and the figure four. Um, so, New Jack makes sense, Philadelphia. Tony DeVio, another guy, kind of local, not a crazy drive from him. He yeah, was from it, New York they're, they're guys that Sandman knows they can get cheap. Um, Chris Shetty, Danny Doring, same thing. East Coast guys, York and Matthews, ECW guys at this time. And this is the – and here's what I think, though. He said young talent, and really other than – I mean, I guess Chris Harris, Abyss, and Rob Williams, but, like, everybody else has been on TV and established, you know, before yeah. that. Um, Buff Bagwell defeating Jack Victory with Steve Carino. I mean – you know, I, I love me some Jack Victory and Steve Carino there. Uh, the the tag team match sounds a lot of fun. Chris Hamrick and Julia Nero and and Prince just Rob Williams. I tried looking up Rob Williams because he's the one that stood out here. It looks like he did the Patriot at one time. Uh and he he's worked sporadically. Uh, he does have a WCW appearance where he lost to Steven Regal on a Saturday night show in uh, Cape Jordal, Missouri. Uh, and, a, and a WWE uh, a jacked appearance. Yeah. Uh, Chris Harris, Doug Basham, and Rob Williams lost to X Factor in May of 2001. So he was definitely uh, definitely an indie guy. Uh, he, he was. I wouldn't o- say on the radar. 
a, but like a Kentucky, Ohio, Indiana guy. It yeah. seems like um, he's a guy that ha- must have had look and the build to actually be able to get dark matches. So yeah, he mostly worked for NWF. I mean, a lot of just random stuff. He didn't wrestle a lot. I mean, um, at least wrestling good feds or yeah. big feds are actually on cage match. Most recent, most recent events were 2015 uh, for the new NWF. Uh, um, and nothing really a lot notable there. Uh, but uh, that ran out of like Fairfield and Cincinnati, Ohio. I, you know what? I guarantee I'll ask my friends ever from that that lived down that area. I'm sure they know this guy. <laughs> if he's from Ohio, Williams. that's probably he's from Cincinnati. So I, I'm going to ask my old HWA buddies, well, my friends that worked at you. I didn't work at But also, like, tagging with Abyss, like, and Abyss worked that area, the Southern Ohio Territory, a lot during that era. So obviously there were, if they had a tag team name, there probably were a tag team, a regular yeah. tag team at that time. Yeah, well, so that makes sense. Wrong. That makes sense. You're booking a tag team from that area or even just booking one of them and the other comes along. So I got some friends that that were down in that Cincinnati area during that time period. So I'm sure they they got some intel on on on, on Rob Williams and, and and who he was and everything. So if if we get an update, we'll we'll put something out there on a, on a future podcast. Um, but but yeah. So uh, and then yeah, and then real quick back to the. Uh, oh, let's see. I was on Rob Williams' cage right here. All right, uh, back back to it. There um, we had. Uh, Public Enemy, like I said, defeating FBI, and... Kurt Henning and Chris Harris. Yeah, oh yeah, we missed Kurt and Chris Harris. Yeah, Kurt and Chris... First off, I like that match. I yeah. mean, I always liked Chris Harris. I'll talk about it. No, that's day. a solid match to help build this up Chris a, Harris. It's a good card. you know. Yeah. And then you got the FBI, Guido and Mom Luke, which were workhorses, both of those guys. I guess the Public Enemy, which in 2001... It, it, you know, but still, they they were still over. They like, were over, yes. They weren't doing anything since basically... Um, Early ninety nine, Simon Diamond and the Blue Mini, Jasmine St. Clair's there. Uh, you got Crowbar, B- Billy Real and Roque. Billy Real, I believe, has liked stuff <laughs> on, on our on our uh, Twitter. Well, that's that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, well, we're gonna I talk good so. about him then. <laughs> yes, uh, but Billy Real is a guy that's been around a while. Mid nineties, I believe. He, yeah, he started in ninety six, and he it looks like he worked regularly until two thousand nine. And then made a uh, rare appearance in 2013 um, for IWA Vintage. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he, he was consistent around, uh, you know, you got IWA Mid-South. And uh, he uh, he worked for WXW uh, out of Philly, uh, the uh, office, office school promotion. Worked quite a bit for that. Yeah, a lot so of Jersey it, and Pennsylvania. Yeah, a lot of Jersey. Working. And, and Pennsylvania, and uh, and see, so yeah, I mean, he's a name I, I've heard around for a long time. Um, you know, Roadkill Crowbar, a lot of ECW guys. You know, and then we we talk about that. Mike Rotunda and the Rock and Rebel. We know the Rock and Rebel is only there because of the license and the Gladiators. Gary Wolf makes sense. Pitbull, great. Johnny Hotbody was like a big thing in like 1992. <laughs> like, like. I find it very odd. I feel like that's a Sandman favor. It has to. Seeing him here in 2001, like, oh, we got this big star and this and that. He and stopped that. working in 2001, I think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he actually. This is twilight, twilight if, of his career. His cage match is accurate. He works consistently from 90 to 95. Doesn't work in 96 and 97 at all. Works at 98. Doesn't work in 99 or 2000. Works this show in 2001. And then works for it looks like another promotion, 
um, just one show, Jersey All Pro. He works Jersey All Pro, um, where he's teaming with Billy Real on the Sandman. Uh, and then nothing until 2006 when he shows up at a Pro Wrestling Unplugged show. So In a three-way nine-man match. Yeah, whatever that Tagging is. with Gary Wolf and Pete Hunter. Yeah, uh, that, that match is it's got Johnny Candino in it. Who also enjoys the show, uh, or at least he he he's liked a bunch of posts on Twitter. Uh, Nick Burke, uh, Z Bar, uh, and others. So yes, but Johnny Hotbody, that name threw me off when I was going through. So I'm like, this is 2001. <laughs> I feel like a favor got called in for that. Yeah, uh, and then Sabu versus Sandman in Philadelphia. That's probably your standard pay per view. Stay right a lot. At that time, I mean, it was still going to draw. Man. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. You look at it's not like he has this like like we look at it like in two thousand one this is a pretty good card. But I, I also think like the budget for this like for what he's throwing out there it probably isn't as much. I mean, who knows how much Henning and Bagwell are really getting from but but like this looks like this could be sustainable if you had the right business practice. Yeah. I mean, going into it, you're doing free tickets, so you know you're not making money going in. So it's not a thing of, we drew 50 fans. Oh, fuck. I was hoping on the gates to pay the boys. <laughs> All right. Yeah, exactly. So there should have been a plan of how compensation was going to happen. Is that what you're saying, Mr. Hatch? All right. So You, you knew revenue coming in. You knew what the revenue was going to be. <laughs> So let's, unless you thought you were going to sell a hundred thousand dollars in T-shirts, I, I, I maybe he did. <laughs> he maybe thought that was happening. Did, did he have like koozies and you need lunch boxes? Yeah, just the weird little trinkets. Uh, so this is from August twentieth, two thousand one Observer. The mysterious main event championship wrestling run by the equally mysterious. John Collins has something of a success with its free show at the ECW arena on August 11th. A crowd was a pro- of approximately 1,300 fans with several hundred more turned away saw what was described as a better than average indie show, which was something of an ECW reunion. The show, which apparently was a taping for a television pilot, featured some historical ECW figures making their return, such as Public Enemy and even original owner Todd Gordon, who turned heel in the main event, screwing Buddy Sandman in his match for the alternative, here we go, pro wrestling title against Sabu in a ladder match. Despite a brutally hot building, the crowd was the crowd he was to be strong for most of the show. Let's let's stop real quick. Alternative championship wrestling, is that even is that pop up as anything? Is this maybe like a Todd Gordon project? Let's see here if I got anything. Let's see. There we go. It kept sending me to my email instead of Google, so that's why I was like, what is it doing here? Championship Wrestling 2001. As you look at that, I just I did a search in two thousand one for Viking Hall. The only feds that ran there were three Jersey All Pro shows in May, June, July. This show, and then two more Jersey All Pro shows, and then CZW Cage of Death in December two thousand one. So look at that. Uh, this is the first time a large group of ECW alumni worked the arena. 
So I think that could also help the draw. You, you're advertising Sandman, Sabu, a uh, host of other guys. Nothing, for the first time back since ECW went under. Nothing really pops up. Like there's like a modern day alternative pro wrestling and there's really in the modern day alternative championship wrestling. But so someone, like I said, so, or not a modern day, there was something in Michigan before it was called alternative. Championship so someone wrestling. just Michigan, maybe Sabu has a belt. Yeah, but then it's like it's alternative, but then they're uh, calling it the APW title. Like, I don't think John Collins knew. <laughs> um, okay, so, but back to the observer. Um, but uh, yeah, so ultimately, nobody knows how to make uh, of it. In aspects of the Pillman show, wrestlers appearing free to help the family for of a fallen comrade show the world of pro wrestling at its best. Main event championship wrestling in many ways shows wrestling at its worst <laughs> very openly people involved in a company talk to friends about being able to con a rich guy out as much money as possible of course no one truly knows about the rich guy or even if he is a rich guy other than he's spending money on limos every week in evansville and flying name talent and on shows that drew 297 fans on august 1st and 204 fans on august 8th and put everyone up at the marriott in philadelphia this weekend in every interview, the long-term plans changed. Uh, the talent is announced as being signed, although no one is actually signed. Uh, wrestlers are trying to maneuver themselves into his ear to gain control and jobs for their friends. Nobody is looking at the long-term or even pondering that there may be a long-term. Collins himself talks of a mysterious backers, but nobody seems to know who they are other than rumors of an unnamed Canadian investor, which we will talk about. Uh, at this point, Terry Taylor has no involvement with the group, while Kurt Henning, Barry Windham, and Sam Ann are all to be involved in various struggles of power. Uh, this isn't the first time a wrestling promotion started with no apparent way to be anything but a money pit, and certainly won't be the last. Barry Windham just shows up out of nowhere now. Uh and uh, with no alternative out there, you can't blame wrestlers for being involved or holding out hope that just maybe the guy has the money he claims and uh, guys that WDF has no interest in can remain in the business. Having said that, with all reports, the people enjoy themselves at the free show. Whether they will come back on September 22nd, which is the first part of the weekend the group plans on running regularly, is another question. Uh, there didn't appear to be any great enthusiasm by the fans to buy tickets for that show, but everyone is likely taking a wait-and-see attitude on this one. Uh, Gordon, the owner of ECW, got to play out his final wish, who got virtually no reaction coming out in the building. He was once a big heroine, turned heel in the ECW uh, uh, in the main event. He pushed the ladder Sandman was on, sending him uh, through uh, table, some tables on the floor, costing him uh, a match with Sabu, which apparently looks good, uh, climbing the ladder to win. Now, Gordon then gave a heel interview saying he wouldn't let Sandman be his boss and Sandman was booking a show. The theory behind the alternative pro title is that it will be another name for the hardcore title, uh, apparently with the idea that the word hardcore has been devalued on the big stage because of almost comedy matches. The main title that Henning owns would be more of a title defended with straight wrestling matches. Oh, so that kind of explains it. Yeah, but still, it sounds like it's another promotion's title. <laughs> That's the weird thing about it. Uh, the show was, wasn't was without its fun, and since the group, uh, more than any other, is playing directly to the internet audience, stories from this include that the show was supposed to have a hot opener where Louis Dangerously and Joel Gertner 
who lost a ton of uh, weight at the last time people had seen him in the building, had an argument with a local wrestler who looks like The Rock called Smoke. Oh, the smoke. Oh, the smoke. <laughs> uh, Gertner was being threatened, and New Jack was supposed to run in for a very fast brawl. The fast brawl lasted more than 10 minutes as Jack supposedly went into business for himself and later beating Tony DeVito in a double juice fest. But without a strong leader, this either will become standard fare for the company or they'll just be working angles like this that are actually planned. Real quick, you started off your promotion with the smoke. <laughs> But the smoke was over in this era, in in Philadelphia. It's, I will fight you on that. I don't want a rock rip off. If I'm supposed to be wrestling the way, like if I'm supposed to be different than what those WWF people are, I'm not booking the guy that does a rock rip off. I mean, did they film that for potential TV? How like, over is the smoke? Can he just pop up a game changer and the crowd will go nuts for the lineage of, of oh, that scene? Like some of these guys. Oh, have? he's a cosplayer now. <laughs> I, I follow him. I follow him on social media. He has this huge Thanos costume that's like that's eight right, feet tall. You sent me that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure this isn't the last time we'll talk about the smoke <laughs> on this show. No. Uh, look him up, the smoke, folks. Uh, but uh, the story uh, was that uh, Bagwell was asked to do a job for Steve Carino. I suppose it's possible, but it just sounds fishy. The idea was that Bagwell had been uh, told that and agreeing to it, uh, told Carino that uh, he, uh, Buff, was going over with his finish. It ended up that they didn't even have a match, but did an angle where Carino uh, ripped on Bagwell, talking about how horrible his match was with Booker T on Raw. <laughs> I love Carino. <laughs> Crowd uh, uh, changed uh Chanted things like, where's your mom and you got fired as Carino asked where Judy Bagwell was. And Bagwell, who was booed out of the building, pretended not to even know who Carino was and told him that he needed to go to Gold's Gym. A lot of people thought that the Carino uh, Bagwell byplay was the highlight of the show. I I, I would have enjoyed it. Uh, Bagwell ended up uh, pinning Jack Victory in a bad match while Carino never wrestled. Windham and Mike Rotunda were supposed to wrestle the Gladiators, who were former uh, Pitbull Gary Wolf and Johnny Hotbody. But Windham, who was there, never wrestled and insisted Rock and Rubble take his place. Uh, wh- what may have happened was Windham was probably trying to help book it. And I don't want Rock Rebel in that match. Uh, Mike, you could carry this, right? Like, put him in there. But by, by the way, I love how we just read in the interview where John Collins says Buff is a team player and no issues whatsoever, and here he is refusing to lose on the first show. By the way, I'm glad this didn't take off just for the fact that Rock and Rebel didn't get to be on national television. <laughs> terrible person <laughs> anyways yeah we we do not condone any actions of uh of the rock and rebel uh here on this show i could tell you that um but uh so uh so rebel and hot body were from the early days of ecw uh wrestling highlighted show was said to be a three-way with billy real roadkill and crowbar with the fans giving uh the bout a standing ovation gordon who left wrestling several years ago apparently with the understanding paul Heyman would at some point bring him back as an anti-ECW heel manager, which never materialized, was largely responsible for organizing the show itself, which came uh, across more organized than a lot of ECW shows themselves were. So so did Sandman like say like he was booking it, but then just called Todd Gordon and be like, I need help. Help me book some names. Help me formulate this card. <laughs> I, what it sounds like. That's what that line sounds like. It had like. to be, hey, Todd. And Todd and Sandman are... They may still be close, but I know they were close in this time period. 
because I think Ballpark Brawl a few years later, Todd's there with Sam and so. Yeah, it was part of the agreement to book Sam and yeah. like, Todd had to be his driver. <laughs> uh uh, among others that were to show were Simon Diamond, Don Marie, Blue Meanie, Jasmine St. Clair, Public Enemy, uh, FBI, Kurt Henning, uh, um, Chris Harris, Julio De Niro, Danny Doring, Chris Chetty, Christian York, and Joey Matthews. Bobby Heenan, uh, during the week, had agreed to do the show, but was told he would be announcing Joey Styles, largely as a favorite of Henning. Styles earlier in the week said that he didn't even have a deal. Heenan was expecting to go, but never heard from any of the promotion, never got any plane tickets. So... Yeah, I, I think it was like, Kurt was like, yeah, book Bobby Heenan's. Oh, yeah, that's great. And John Collins probably never, ever. Never reached out, yeah. Fo- f- follow, followed up on that. Um, so, l- looking here, because there isn't a, a lot of, uh, <laughs> there isn't a lot a, uh, of detail on how did how did these guys get get compensated uh, th- that that evening? And we, uh, we do have figure four info, but it's pretty much the same thing. It's just the same uh, lineup. Uh, Alvarez does mention tickets for the next show are priced at 35 25 and 20 which means front row is $10 more than they were for ECW. Um, I do want to uh, go Bob McGee, who actually I think still to this day writes the As I See It article. And uh, from his perspective, and he actually wrote, uh, he went to this show. And he goes, I attended the debut show of Main Event Championship Wrestling Saturday night at Philadelphia's ECW Arena. Free show or not, the crowd was impressive. Uh, Other things weren't impressive. Most things were okay to start. First, I fully expected to see no more than three to 400 people there. Main Event Championship Wrestling did no advertising other than limited online advertising, leafleting on the Monday Night Raw in Philadelphia, and word of mouth. The crowd was easily over 1,300, packed on the level of the old days of the bingo hall, which it's questionable that that arena could even fit 1,300 people. Um, And I think that's why Cage Match has it as 1,000. Main Event Championship Wrestling should get a fair number of people back the next time on September 22nd with the possible platform of running against ECWA in Wilmington, featuring Christopher Daniels, as well as a rumored CCW date. Uh, The Main Event Championship Wrestling crowd had a fair number of CCW fans at the show, which could take away from a potential MECW house that night. I also like to touch at John Collins, although not introducing himself as the owner, coming out and thanking those uh, in line by one, a uh, one by one for attending. It would also uh, great to see Kurt Henning looking great in the ring again. He d- he doesn't seem to be missing a step, and it looked almost identical to his shape in his WWF prime. Then there was a not so impressive. There was Buff Bagwell's refusal to job the NWA champion Steve Carino, resulted in a sort of match with Jack Victory. Given that Steve Carino was caught heat from Howard Brody from even putting over talent once in a non-title match for Dusty Rhodes Turnbuckle Championship Wrestling, it was clear that Carino cannot, couldn't do the job here. Uh, it was reported that Bagwell left the building by intermission. I wouldn't be surprised if he's burned another bridge with this fiasco. Uh, the one that seemed to annoy the crowd the most was the absence of Barry Windham, who was backstage but backed out of a bizarre match tagging with Mike Rotundo against former Pibble Gary Wolf and local indie record indie worker, sorry, Johnny Hopbody, who were doing a laughable gladiator gimmick with costume gimmick right out of the early days of the 1980s Tiny Titan Tune Adventures. Uh, local indie wrestler Rock and Roll quickly filled in for Wyndham. Oh, yeah. As the manager was turning a quick squash. Uh, I hope that this promotion uh, succeeds, but there are lessons that John Collins and uh, lead booker Jim Fullington, a.k.a. the Sandman, have to learn. If Collins has money, as he's rumored to have, he should have to spend it to advertise in the Philly market, but spend it smartly. 
Uh, word of mouth won't always work like it did Saturday. If he runs local cable commercials on Comcast and other cable uh, services during wrestling programming, he can he can get a good bang for his buck. In the long term, Collins should consider buildings other than the arena if he draws well on a consistent basis. ECW made a mistake with staying in the arena three years after they could have ran mid-sized venues in a Philadelphia arena and made money doing so. Main event championship wrestling has been uh, almost ridiculed online since the show uh, ended for his actions. Uh, getting, get some consistent storylines. Granted, this was a first show, but given uh, crowd storylines for a reason... Uh, to come back is essential. Crowds aren't always going to come back month after month because of mere brand loyalty. I, I think current, some current promotions are dealing with that right now. Uh, we're going to deal with that at least. Uh, don't promise what you can't deliver. Uh, all of the names signed to contracts that aren't. TV stations that will air the show that aren't going to do so. And the like created a lot of confusion and us ridicule for a promotion just getting started. Here's the politics of online shilling. Speaking of main event championship wrestling, uh, there's been some controversy about certain websites giving main event championship wrestling too much free publicity, or if you will, shilling. Much like that a radio article <laughs> from Noel's part. Uh, I guess I look at it this way. As long as everyone is aware of the interest being served, I don't have much problem with people helping their friends. I plug Combat Zone Wrestling, Jersey All Pro, and he just lists all these promotions that he that he plugs. Uh, and I'm friendly with promoters uh, and or workers with each company. And I like, and because I like the varied styles of the product. I also do so for other independent uh, promotions around the country simply because I believe in promoting independent wrestling. Uh, see here and then he, he just kind of goes into to to what what he thinks in this and that and it was kind of a shill here and um pretty much that's that, that that's about it what he talks about john collins there but so i think the fans are like i said it's got some good moments but they're seeing this buff bagwell thing and and, and all that but overall it seems like it wasn't a bad show from 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 what we gather here yeah, I I don't know if you can say that they have potential uh, going forward, but you know we'll see as we move forward into what is possible, what was going to be a second show. All right, here and uh, let's see if I can gather anything here. Um, so one of the uh, let's see here. Thinking of the check bouncing thing, does that happen in September? It does happen with this next show we're going to talk about. Okay, all right, yeah. So we'll get to that. Yeah, I, you know where I'm going. I'm going for the payoff. Yeah, <laughs> that's where I'm going. So uh, September third, two thousand one. Here, this is from back to the Observer. Here, it's like so we we you know Ash just categorized the figure four. It was really just a uh, rebuttal, and he commented on the No Holds Bar Radio interview, which I will say this: Alvarez goes, uh, you know. Uh, Collins finished the interview by using the following line, okay, brother, bye, but nothing says Mark like using the word brother after hanging out with wrestlers for a few days. Um, now, September 3rd, 2001, Observer Main Event Championship Wrestling uh, already appears to be unraveling when several headliners scheduled for what was advertised on national television taping on August 22nd, Evansville, Indiana, no-showed when wrestlers arrived at the airport and their tickets hadn't been paid for. Um It's a really sad story, but one utterly predictable regarding wrestlers who are hoping against logic. People looking to get publicity or even thinking that there is money to be made uh, because some big-name wrestlers are unemployed because of the collapse of WCW and ECW. Wrestlers are thinking of money. Mark has money and looking to con them, and the business itself is just going to get another black eye in the process. Uh, From day one, 
company owner John Collins would claim wrestlers were under contract and TV deals had been made only to get out there wasn't true. There were stories that floating around about ridiculous amounts of money being embarked for a company, which at the point he booked wrestlers in, into Evansville every Wednesday for weekly shows, ran a TV taping in Philadelphia, then just days before the show was made into a free show, which went well, but then sold very few tickets uh, for a proposed return date. Because Perhaps because fans were skeptical, as most outsiders were, of a company that seemed to have no viable business plan. In a series of stories on OneWrestling.com written by Bob Ryder, uh, who also runs a travel agency, was contacted earlier today and asked to print tickets for wrestlers, but didn't do so because John Collins couldn't provide him with a credit card and instead told him he would later send a check for payment. Ryder, who has been burned in the past by ECW when it comes to travel payments, was told that someone had called the airlines and canceled the flights, which is why he was being contacted the day of the show. He later learned that while the tickets were reserved by a Canadian agency, the problem was that they were never paid for and then in another agency located in evansville is owed a significant amount of money for tickets the company has used in recent weeks and refused to do business with them until payment is made he's also <laughs> so he's burning travel agencies yeah uh collins himself uh at uh at the building reportedly claimed that paul Heyman canceled uh the tickets <laughs> Blames Paul Heyman. Oh yeah, Paul Heyman. He canceled the play. Why would he Paul Heyman care for a show in Evansville, Indiana? Oh, he he he, he canceled him. Uh, the belief is that Collins used Heyman's name by talking with ex ECW employees. The fellow's excuse that wrestlers might believe is a way to get through the nights. Oh, that, that Paul Heyman man. Uh, among the stars appearing a show where the road not appearing. Oh, I'm sorry, among the stars not appearing. Yeah. <laughs> were Road Warriors and Steve Williams. The biggest names that appeared in the show were, so this is Evansville, Sa- Sabu, Tracy Smothers, Johnny Grunge, Kurt Henning, and Doug Gilbert. Uh, fans were reportedly throwing chairs when the announcement was made about the Road Warriors. It was also turned out, despite it being advertised as a TV taping, there was no camera crew there. Colin said he would make it up the fans by letting him in free for the August 29th show. Uh, but Evansville Coliseum Superintendent Mark Acker said that wouldn't be the case, and if fans came in the building, the the Coliseum would, wants to be paid by someone. Um other wrestlers uh, have not either not been paid or been given checks that have bounced. Collins himself spent time in prison for writing bad checks in the past. <laughs> in the story, Collins claimed to have, to have no knowledge of travel miscues, uh, blaming accountants uh, for not having the funds in a right account, and said that he would step into the background and let others, including former ECW Arena Todd Gordon, handle the company. Now, there, we have nothing on this Evansville show. No, I'm from what I understand, it was college Coliseum Championship Wrestling, right? Yeah, that's the next uh, bit of notes. Ralph has said this actually Coliseum Championship Wrestling show that MECW was latching onto and claiming that they were running joint shows. Which again, nothing. We can't find anything on Coliseum Championship Wrestling. No, there, there, there's there, there, there's nothing out there. I mean, it, it looks like it existed. But there's just there's just nothing out there, which is crazy. Um, yeah, so Figure Four Weekly. Uh, this is September third, two thousand one, from Alvarez. Uh, last week, several uh, MECW wrestlers were scheduled to appear at Coliseum Championship Wrestling Show in Evansville, Indiana. Now this now this promoter for CCW, he probably he had to been buying into it too. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, you're well, Collins is from Indiana, all these so names? like, yeah. How do we know that he isn't the promoter of CCW as well? <laughs> Maybe he's under a different name. Yeah. Uh, uh, but it may have been championship wrestling and Coliseum championship wrestling and running ju- joint shows for the past uh, few weeks with CCW paying their guys and Colin supposedly paying his. 
Problem is a lot of the main event championship wrestling guys have either gotten paid or were paid with the checks to bounce. Collins, the crafty business veteran he is, has worked to deal out with CCW. He promises to pay his guys large sum of money to appear, yet gets absolutely not one dime from CCW in return. One CCW business administrator was quoted as saying, a business administrator, <laughs> they, 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 they don't get a penny from us. It was a great deal uh, for us to get all these stars, but he was spending a fortune flying in all these people and paying them whatever they were getting paid. So, so C- there's no business model here. CCCW is just getting a, they're getting a great deal there. Um before we move on, folks, I do want to talk about our great sponsor here, the uh, Wrestling Entertainment Network. And I have a question for everyone out there. Like I said, have you ever wondered uh, what would happen if Chewbacca wrestled the Loch Ness Monster? Or what if your favorite Ninja Turtle grappled with He-Man? Well, the possibilities are endless in the new comedy show on YouTube, WEN, the Wrestling Entertainment Network. It's basically if Robot Chicken meets Celebrity uh, Deathmatch. And you could subscribe to their YouTube today, folks. Uh, the Wrestling Entertainment Network uh, join host Chip Studebaker and Jib Benerson every Saturday on their YouTube show for all their plastic cracking action that you can handle compete complete with commentary commercials and comedy any action figure any franchise anything goes in the handmade home of wen the grapple palace and uh, yeah the uh, wrestling entertainment network one thank you for being a sponsor check them out lots of great stuff listen if you like comedy you like wrestling you like action figures it's it's a must subscribe to their youtube today uh you're missing out if you haven't so once again i want to thank the wrestling entertainment network being a sponsor check them out on youtube right now well after the show but check them out so all right. Um, moving back on to the uh, notes here. Uh, the MECW wrestlers went to the airport Wednesday night and were all prepared to fly out for the show, but found there were no tickets waiting for them. The airline told them that they uh, that nobody had paid for the tickets. When the wrestlers contacted Collins about the problem, he said somebody must have canceled the flights. An Evansville uh, era tra- travel agency also reported to be owed a significant amount of money for the tickets that Collins had not been paid for yet. The CCW show went on a schedule, but the fans were irate at the cancellations, and security had to calm down a group that started throwing chairs. This show was billed as a national television taping, uh, despite the fact that there were no camera crew there, and despite the fact that MECW doesn't uh, presently have TV whatsoever. Um, you know, uh, on third... Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just to say that then he just recaps the Bob Ryder, uh, the Bob Ryder situation, which... Pretty much everything we already talked about. Although there's one line in here. Uh, Collins said a major problem was that people were looking at the company with unrealistic expectations. We aren't trying to be the WWF, he said. We can't compete with them, and we aren't even trying to compete with them. But didn't he already... Didn't he have an interview going on saying that he wants to compete with WWE? He, he was... Yeah, he said he expects to be the number one company in like 36 months or yeah. something like that. Uh, <laughs> it, it's yeah so it, you won't be hearing my name in connection with mecw he says oh well, yes you will um he uh elvers also points out uh some of the comments that he said on another uh uh show to uh chair shots uh radio and, and he said that they would be on a network within 60 days uh of that tv taping and uh, he said, regards running split towers in the southeast, he said uh, they've been put on hold because regions like a different style of wrestling. And he had to figure out how to please everyone. <laughs> I thought that was the idea in the first place. Turns out it wasn't. <laughs> um, all right. September, uh, September 10th. Uh, 
we'll start with the observer on this. Uh, this week's uh, main event championship wrestling fiasco went like this: the August twenty sixth show in Evansville, Indiana, saw both major names, Kurt Henning and Buff Bagwell, not appear. Henning, uh, who was upset during the week because he was behind on money and was going to insist on it, went to the airport to fly in and was told his ticket had not been paid for. He called someone in the company when he got home, who then called him back and said uh, it will be taken care of. Uh, went back to the airport and you guessed it, it wasn't. Oh, I'd be so mad. <laughs> Uh, Bagwell did show up at the building and insisted on being uh, caught up on his money, but with no John Collins even in the building, his wife called the building and claimed that he had suffered a heart attack earlier that day that nobody can confirm that although later in the week it was said he was just hospitalized and was at work the next day, refused to work and flew home. Collins had promised to meet wrestlers at the airport and take care of bounce checks, but wasn't there. Barry Windham and Mike Rotunda uh, have apparently given up after a bounce check. After the August 19th show drew 340 fans advertising people like the Road Warriors and Steve Williams, who didn't show up because their tickets weren't paid for, and advertising a national TV taping, which wasn't the case, even with a lot of local advertising, the August 26th show only drew 170. A local radio station was at the building and was trying to collect ad money owned by Collins because it's check bounced. The, sh- the story was that Collins was the front man for a mysterious Canadian guy who everyone knows but uh, who knows about, but nobody seems to know his name that supposedly met with Collins at an arbitration hearing and both struck up a conversation about wrestling, was supposedly bankrolling the operation. There were still the limos taking talent to the building on August 26th. Those at the buildings themselves want nothing to do with Collins. Still paying for limos. And then this mysterious Canadian guy. But what I want to talk about is the heart attack, which I think is the infamous story on this. Like, he knew, first off, if you know, you knew you lost, you knew you lost your ass in Philadelphia. Why even tell, why even get these guys, oh yeah, I want to book you in Evansville, August 22nd, and, and commit on that. He could have called me. I didn't get plane tickets. We're not doing it. And he called the CCW reporter. Listen, I'm giving you all this money. No, like you just do your own thing. I'm. I, I can't. I don't. I don't have the funds to get fly some these deal guys with in. CCW to like. Yeah, to to like split revenue if you're paying the the talent costs. Yeah, I mean, he, he can say that. Uh, you know what he can say is is that hey, listen, you know. Um, I can't afford these plane tickets. I get it. We can't have all these names, but maybe you can pay for Hennings, you know, <laughs> so we get a Mr. Perfect there and all that. So, um, but yeah, so uh, <laughs> the heart attack is it, it, to, to, to me is, is, is very uh, infamous uh, uh, with that. And I think that's the one thing that people, people remember about this from a perspective, Ash, we've, we, we've, we've both, I've been stiffed before on pay. <laughs> I think I've told the story of the infamous chicken wing incident here. I have, you know, my hands are too greasy for chicken wings. It's probably the most creative one that I've ever been stiffed on pay on. I mean, his hands were covered in chicken wing grease. It, he didn't want to reach in his pockets. Get a napkin, that. clean it off, and grab your money. But the heart attack, like, I've also heard, like, oh, you know, I, I, I got to get you guys next time. Oh, we had a sponsor pay late. Something like some of the like earth sponsors paying me tomorrow, but wow, <laughs> like oh, oh, yeah, sorry, he's not here, he had a heart attack, <laughs> yeah. Which, from all reports, he never had this heart attack, folks. So, we're not like that's from all reports, it was a faked, uh, 
faked heart attack here. Um, any, any any final thoughts on, on this on this little quib here? No, just shaking my head in disappointment. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, 917 would probably be the best way to pick that up, just because Alvarez just basically just recaps the same thing we, we talked about. All right, yeah. So yeah, we'll we'll start with uh, September seventeenth, two thousand one. Uh, the Observer, uh, the main this week's main event championship wrestling notes from September for the Evansville. Johns Collins was there, said to be looking remarkably good for somebody who just had suffered a heart attack seven days earlier. However, everyone got paid. The only problem was Chili Willie and Joey Abs being told that they were being taken off shows over the weekend because the local promoter wasn't doing a good enough job and advances were bad. Todd Gordon uh, on it. So now he's now he's just blaming the CCCW guy. Uh, Todd Gordon on a radio show of the weekend mentioned that Buff Bagwell uh, was uh, through and with the company uh, among those who've worked the show, which was a memorial show for area promoter and wrestler Big Business Brown, who died at the age of 31 several weeks back, were Sabu, Kurt Henning, and Sandman. Main event championship wrestling has a show scheduled September 22nd at the ECW Arena, but less than two weeks out. No advertising is out, nor an announcement of a card or talent appearing. Uh, from the uh, September uh, 17th figure four weekly, Alvarez says Sebu, Kernanning, and Sayman worked the CCW MECW show in Evansville uh, last week and all got paid. John Collins, whose wife claimed he suffered a heart attack the week prior, was at the show and looked just fine. Uh, actually, friends of Collins are now saying that he never actually had a heart attack, but was just suffering from health problems. Indigestion. Th- th- this pops me. Reminds me of the scene in The Big Lebowski where Walter and Dude meet the famous writer who's just laying there with an iron lung. And Walter asks his housekeeper if he still writes, and she says, no, he has health problems. The story is that Collins a mysterious ba- has a mysterious backer in Canada who's paying for everything. Maybe it's Dr. Claw. Uh, apparently, uh, this person is, is about as horrible a businessman as Collins because supposedly he's paying all the bills, yet it takes forever for the bills in question to actually get paid. Collins did pay off several people last week and claimed that he'd wired several hundred thousand dollars, or he'd been wired several hundred thousand dollars by Claw in order to do so. I remember when I was in junior high, all the guys who didn't have girlfriends always claims they did. She just lived in Canada. <laughs> And really, and that was a very where we live, Buffalo. That was very common. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 I go to Fort Erie on the weekends and see her. <laughs> in related news, Todd Gordon did a radio interview last week saying Buff Bag was no longer with the company, and the decision had been mutual. The the mutual agreement was you owe me money. I'm not going to come to shows. And like, yeah, I think you should take some shows off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh. You know, just just with that, like, it, it, so he must be telling these guys, hey, I know I'm behind on checks, but the, the, the Canadian guy, because we hear a lot about this backer from Canada now more after the first show than really in the press and everything leading up. Now it's like, oh, no, this guy's going to I got money <laughs> coming. I as we get into this. Yeah, well, we'll. We'll, we'll see more about that. But we'll see what happens to, to that money. Uh, October 1st, 2001, apparently the main event championship wrestling mess is unraveled. Uh, according to a source by a story, I'm sorry, by Bob Ryder, the mysterious Canadian financial backer of John Collins is Gary W. Stroud, 55 of Alder Grove, British Columbia, who had a restraining owner or restraining order and asset freeze put on him in June for an alleged investment swindling operation. <laughs> 
The SEC's complaint charged Straw with a scheme of fleecing over 2,200 investors worldwide of approximately $1 million through operation of fictitious business, claiming that all the businesses were pure shams. The complaint uh, stated Stroud targeted uh, people known uh, to have been defrauded in other investment schemes. Uh, the main event championship wrestling appears at this point to be history, leaving behind a trail of bounce checks and young wrestlers hoping for a job and veteran wrestlers thinking they were the ones conning the money mark out of money, but instead never got the money they were promised. And they were the ones conned, even with all the handwriting on the wall, uh, ahead of time in almost all cases. Technically, the main event championship wrestling show scheduled for September 22nd, Philadelphia was supposed to be postponed due to the world situation until September 20th. So he used 9-11 as an excuse to cancel a show. Uh, but few people will ever take place. The planned shows uh, for the coming weekend have also been canceled. Uh, the latest uh, version of this is a press conference to be held over the weekend uh, in Chicago announcing a formation of the Super Fed. But with no announcement other than the signing of uh, Francine Fournier uh, of ECW fame, who is in charge of booking women. Uh, they claim they would be hiring 75 people uh, to run a first show. I don't know if I've ever heard of this. <laughs> like, this is news to me. But they run a first show on December 1st uh, at the Odeum in Villa Park, Illinois. Site of ECW, one of ECW's best ever pay-per-view events. Several former ECW wrestlers, including New Jack, Chris Chetty, Danny Dorian, Chili Willie, were were there mainly uh, to get answers, and none were being given. Uh, New Jack uh, wound up causing a scene because nobody would give straight answers to any questions. It was said the talent uh, would be announced and a TV deal would be announced and. November 1st, when somebody asked about the rumors of Sabu, Bill Goldberg, and Ken Shamrock, where where could these insane rumors be coming from regarding Goldberg? Question, questions, uh, questions, Melter. Uh, and they said that uh, three, uh, the three have been talked with and none of the three, uh, oh, I'm sorry, one of the three have been signed, but wouldn't say which one. As we've said it before, if things on the surface look like they don't add up, there's usually a reason. So let's dial it back a little bit. Let's talk about this scary Stroud character. Yeah. Um, so the Security and Exchange Commission's website actually lists the litigation on here. Uh, they had the commission's complaint charged Stroud with conducting an ongoing internet investment scheme that fleeced over twenty two hundred investors worldwide of approximately one million dollars. Um. There is also very a, Bernie Madoffish. Oh, is very uh, Bernie Madoff. And also during the course of pursuing his claims against Stroud, the commission learned that Stroud, prior to suit, had caused in excess of two hundred thousand dollars of investor funds to be diverted to John Collins for the purpose of promoting a professional wrestling enterprise named Main Event Championship Wrestling. So, yeah, John Collins was a scammer, but he was being scammed by a bigger scammer. And looking more into Gary Stroud, he, yeah, it was pretty much a Bernie Madoff scam. He ran a Ponzi scheme. Uh, he ran uh, several uh, shell corporations. One, Angelic International Offering. He offered a uh, international high-yield trading program in which investor money would purposely double every 22 days. Uh but not saying why. That's basically a or how. That's pretty made off situation. Uh, he also operated something called Diamond Global, 
where he solicited investors in a supposed ongoing Chinese mining operation that extracted gold tailings from previously abandoned Chinese gold mines. Uh, so basically a Nigerian scam. Uh, he also claimed he owned the rights to develop several gold mines in Mexico, and one of the mines had proven gold reserves of between $10 billion and $15 billion. They needed investor money to pay the combined cost of the mining operation and share profits with investors. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And it goes on and on with his schemes. Now, there used to be a TV show that aired on, I believe, Court TV called Masterminds. Maybe 15, I think I 20 years that ago. Show, yeah. It was one of my favorite shows uh, at the time. It, it was a Canadian show, and it showed a lot of uh a lot of scammers i remember one episode of a uh a uh crime ring that would uh steal airbags from cars in toronto and then resell them and all these big operations there was one episode uh of a scammer that would take his wedding ring and shave it down and shave down like gold filings off of it and mix it in with samples from a gold mine in Indonesia to to show to investors that would invest into this gold mine saying look at these look at what I've found as I'm doing this like the deep drilling and like this pretty much sounds like the same exact scam And yeah, this guy, uh, this guy invested in wrestling too. And it's crazy while he's under investigation in federal government. And this is actually from if you want a great recap of what we're talking about here, the uh, Brian Damage article um, on on Ring the Damn Bell uh, when he discusses this. Uh, you know, uh, and it's a wrestling for sin special. Uh, he 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 addresses that you know Straub was Straub wired two hundred thousand dollars to Collins to start MCW while he was already under investigation. I think that's the important thing to understand there. He already he already knew he was going down. And he gave this guy the two hundred thousand yeah, like dollars. The SEC announced on June twenty eighth, two thousand one that they issued emergency orders and temporary restraining order and asset freeze against Gary Stroud. So in June at, and as MECW has not even ran their first show. So that money was already uh was already tied up. Now, when you look at that, I can understand going into this. John Collins thought that he actually had actually had money going into it, but then once he found out that Gary Stroud was not what he claimed he was, maybe he should have doubted back a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I'm right there. So uh, now, uh, October eighth, two thousand twenty-one, from the. Uh and, and 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 see, we get the good information. That was straight from the Security Exchange Commission. Thank you, Ash, for that. Uh, but October eight, two thousand one. Uh, this is from Figure Four Weekly. John Collins is telling people he's no longer involved with the day to day activities of MECW and turned all of the responsibilities to Todd Gordon. <laughs> yeah, you want to get paid? Call Todd. <laughs> Yeah. Poor Todd Gordon. I believe he made this announcement several weeks ago. Maybe he read that article about Gary Stroud. I have no serious doubts that we'll ever hear about Main Event Championship Wrestling ever being successfully promoted. Um, and this is from the October 8th Observer. Todd Gordon has taken over running MC for Jack Collins. The group is still listing it. October 20th, date at the East Arena. And October 27th, Staten Island. I just, I just won't give it up. Nope. October 15th uh, from the uh, 
from the Figure Four Weekly, one of John Collins' various lackeys posted a message on his website last week claiming that Collins was through with Main Event Championship Wrestling was starting a new company, New Wave Championship Wrestling, which will also be attempting to go national. We will not settle for the second best, the, the release chimed. They announced three shows in the first week of November. I'll just change my name. We'll be okay. And I did not find anything about New Wave other than... Like what's in here? They never ran a show. Well, I, I, I don't think that's a shock. I, well, I think everything caught up to him. <laughs> but uh, um, October fifteenth, two thousand one, uh, John Collins pulled out of Main Event Championship Wrestling completely, or was fired. I don't know how he could fire, even if he existed in the first place, because the problems with Gary Straw became public. He's now stating that a new group called New Wave Championship Wrestling starting early November with dates in Indiana. To show he's learned from his mistakes, he showed up once again on October 3rd at the Evansville Coliseum cutting a promo, still with Tracy Smothers, uh, saying there would be no more money problems with the new group, ran down MECW, and claimed that he'd be bringing in people like Kurt Henning, Jerry Lawler, Brian Christopher, and Val Venus. Uh, doesn't even know, I guess, if Val Venus is still with WWE. Yeah, Val Venus is still under contract uh, and for future shows. Um, uh, FBI agents were running around at the Evansville Coliseum to get answers about something to do with Stroud, Collins also showed up on October 6th in Nashville for Prentice's latest incarnation of a promotion at the fairgrounds, playing the role of Rich Heel Manager, which I think may be the modern-day U.S. Championship Wrestling. It still runs. So so didn't he say he didn't want to be an on-screen character? I mean, he wasn't for for Main Event Championship Wrestling, at least. And, and here he is for New Wave. But I think my favorite thing on this <laughs> was... Imagine if we go to an indie show and the FBI is there. I mean, I've been at indie shows where state police have showed up asking for certain wrestlers that I wanted for <laughs> for some uh, very similar issues. And, uh, and the only reason they showed up was because the individual in question was on a flyer. And said individual uh, no-showed the show because he lived in a different state, so th- there was that. But, yeah, that's that's kind of a wake-up call for you when, when state police or fe- federal authorities show up looking for information or certain individuals. Let's put that in perspective, folks. The FBI showed up at an indie show looking for this guy and had questions. In Just Evansville, Indiana. Just... Evansville, Indiana. Um, October 22nd, 2001 from the uh, figure. Did, do you think they stayed and enjoyed the show? Did they, did they buy some popcorn? <laughs> it's like, oh, uh, this is uh, yeah, already uh, here. Get a hot dog. and I'll, We'd know. have to pay to get in. I wish we had results to know what these shows were. <laughs> Uh, October 22nd, 2001, uh, figure four, uh, John Collins, new wave championship wrestling has November 1st through November 4th booked at various venues throughout Indiana. Those scheduled to appear include Buff Bagwell, who said he never worked for Collins again. Public enemy, Tommy Rich, Ashley Hudson, Ozzy from WCW went to Australia and the storyline and never came back and Tracy Smothers. Um, I hope Collins had contacted these guys by now because of last week, none of the wrestlers knew anything about it. How do you think some of these wrestlers... Like Public Enemy and Buff Bagwell feel like that John Collins keeps trying to contact them or keeps trying to book them and just like, just go away. Uh, October 22nd, 2001 from the uh, from the Observer, John Collins' latest promotion, New Wave Championship Wrestling, has dates on November 11th in West Lafayette, Indiana, November 2nd in Marion, Indiana. And there, there's your town again, uh, Ash, November 3rd in Vincent's, Indiana, and November 4th in Terre Haute, Indiana, four-day tour. These are, uh, not, these are pretty close towns, too. 
Uh, they're advertising Jerry Lawler, Buff Bagwell, uh, Gorgeous George, Brian Christopher, Tracy Smothers, Public Enemy, and Tommy Rich. I mean, th- th- with uh, take Buff Bagwell out and maybe Gorgeous. That's par for the course of a you know a really good Midwest Southern India at the time. Like, yeah, you know. I mean, with Lawler on there, he probably could have do something. But as we've said, like there's no. There's no evidence that these shows actually occurred. Right. Uh, June 24th, to June. Yeah, now we're skipping to skipping ahead because John Collins kind of yes. dropped off the face of the so earth. So here it is. So there's nothing. New Wave Championship Wrestling doesn't happen. Yeah. It doesn't exist. It doesn't happen. Now we're at June 24th, 2002 from The Observer. John Collins of Main Event Championship Wrestling Infamy resurfaced by trying to hire Terry Taylor to help him start a new promotion, which he claims is being backed by Washington Redskins owner Daniel Snyder. Please don't believe a word of that, Meltzer <laughs> I think he was just like, what NFL owners would be kind of are kind of out there and do crazy decisions? Because this is when Dan Snyder's sign. He is trying to assign every giant free agent they can with manipulating the salary cap the best they can and all that. This is when Bruce Smith went there and, and others and and all that. Um, Deion Sanders was there and all that. But so it's like, oh, this guy, people will believe it that he just wants to buy a wrestling promotion. <laughs> No, Dan Snyder never got into wrestling, nor have heard any ter- uh, ter- terms of him being involved in wrestling. And nothing. Uh, just, just say it. Like, who's gonna, who's gonna doubt it? Is some wrestler gonna try to get a hold of Dan Snyder on the phone? Go ahead, try calling him. Yeah, that's... like get him to say, yeah, you're, John Connell just so under the radar of Dan Snyder. Like, it's not even worth Dan Snyder to say no to. And then we fast forward to two thousand four. August 23rd, 2004, and this is from The Observer. John Collins, a former promoter for the short-lived main event championship wrestling, is currently in prison serving a 71-month sentence related uh, to his business dealings with a guy named Gary Stroud. Stroud, who provided much of the startup money for main event championship wrestling, allegedly got his money by bilking over 2,000 investors out of over $1 million over the past five years. A freeze has been placed on his assets where the SEC began an investigation, but he still almost sent $200,000 to Collins, which Collins then spent. Apparently, this is not okay. <laughs> Once Collins is free, he must pay back 290000 and undergo three years of supervision. Stroud is really effed as he owes, owes nearly $2 million in fines, payback, and civil penalties. Uh, so, yeah, from the uh, SEC website again from November 2002 uh, with the whole uh, Gary Stroud issue. Uh, during the course of pursuing his claims against Stroud, the commission learned that Stroud, prior to suit, had caused in excess of $200,000 of investor funds to be diverted to Collins for the purpose of promoting a professional wrestling enterprise, MECW. Immediately after the courts issued its preliminary injunction, Collins was served with a copy of the court's orders, which, among other things, continued to freeze Stroud's assets. The courts found that after Collins became aware of the court's orders, Collins accepted 162000 in wire transfers from Stroud and then spent the money in violation of the asset freeze order. The court also found that Collins had refused to turn over receivership prop- property in his possession, worth approximately $25,000, despite the receiver's repeated demands for possession of the property. Collins has 30 days to remit the money in the receiver or face further coercive sanctions. This was November twenty or two thousand two, so 
yeah, that would be uh, the reason that he is serving a prison sentence. He was given money that wasn't his. It was uh, and told to give of, it back and yep. never did. Now, what he spent the money on, he could have played it off and said, "I didn't know this was fraudulent money," and he could have been another one that was screwed out. You know what I mean? But I, it, it, it sounded like seems, he probably. Seems like he ignored him. He's, you know, ducking FBI agents in in Evansville, Indiana. In a classic wrestling move, you just ignore it and hope it goes away. (laughs) Uh -uh, Ain't happening. Not with involves the FBI. Not not with six figures. But that's the big question. Like, where did all this money go? Like, yeah, he booked some big names. He he didn't spend six figures on that first show. He didn't spend six figures on flying a few of these guys in for Coliseum Championship Wrestling. I mean, I'm sure he bought a lot of assets. I'm sure. I'm sure the limos. He probably limoed himself every day. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Um. So, you know, uh, to sum this all up, this guy has this giant idea. We're going to be a national company. All that thinks he's got an investor uh, who ends up, you know, being a Ponzi scheme uh, leader. He then. He then, uh, so he lies about TV deals. He lies about people under contract. He runs one show where everyone's ever free. Already knows he lost a lot of money. Instead of saying, hey, you know what? This didn't work out. Whatever it is, what it is. He uh, checks bounce. He then tries to bring in, keep bringing in guys. He's not buying plane tickets. Uh, Then when they want their money, he says he had a heart attack. And, 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 And then when he knew. Okay, I can't do this anymore for me. He just says he has a new company. And then when people are like, we don't believe it, he just uh, disappears because he knew what was really coming. And he goes to jail for 71 months. And here is the crazy thing. And maybe because the name is so common, but we can't find anything on John Collins' current whereabouts. Is he still alive? If he is alive, what is he doing? You know, he might be a witness protection. (laughs) Who knows? I I yeah, I tried to search all relevant databases for John Collins in Indiana, and I got a lot of uh, a lot of things about Owen Child Support. The Indiana Child Support website listed a bunch of John Collins, but nothing really matched up. Um, so yeah, he's just a common name and can't really find anything. If he has a criminal record, I doubt he's still uh, practicing law. Uh, what a and really nothing else with the Gary Stroud uh, situation because there's a lot on Gary Stroud, but when you uh, when I've looked into there, really nothing more because obviously wrestling was a drop in the bucket compared to like everything else this guy did. Is is he still? Is he still in? He's probably out of jail by now, right? Or might still be in jail actually. Collins? Yeah. Oh. No, no. Uh, oh, Stroud? Stroud? Yeah. Uh he was very similar. I tried searching for him and didn't really find too much current whereabouts. That's really interesting. Uh, well, so in 2001, he this uh, the SEC said he was age 55. So considering what he did could be still in jail, he might not even be alive. He's 70, he'd be 75 right now. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, if anybody has any, because what's great about every time we do these shows is people have additional information. They're like, oh yeah, this and that. If anyone's got any information about the whereabouts of Gary Stroud and the whereabouts of John Collins, let us know, especially John Collins. Uh, you know, wrestling's getting hot again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah John Collins Workers of John Collins contacts you. <laughs> hey, I got this thing started up. Be very weary. Um, 
Let's, let's, let's bring back that. Let's bring back the AWA. Where's Dale Gagner? Let's <laughs> Bruce Harris do for a run again. Uh, I mean, we've already done it with XPW. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, any, any final thoughts? No, I think we pretty much covered it. Just, yeah, like you said, just a guy that... Uh, just just a guy that had a little bit of money or had a connection to a little bit of money that uh, was a wrestling fan and thought he could do it better and just didn't understand how the business worked and overspent and lost at first and just kept trying to run and run and run. It's the story of just about every uh, fly-by-night operation in wrestling. Yeah, that's uh, – yeah, I mean, yeah, just as – you know, uh, I think he, he took advantage of wrestlers really being desperate – because they're not knowing what they could do. I mean, in 2001, the uncertainty was like, where are we going to work? Like, you know, there's all these wrestlers that have TV deals. And that's the problem is like, there's independent promotions that can't afford what they need to survive. Like, I know I need to make, like, they have all these house costs and uh, yeah. the use of these contracts they were on. Well, no, I need to make this. And, and then this guy comes along and it just ends up being, ends up being a bust. You know, it's, it, it, that's a sad story. This guy, this guy conned wrestlers. But he was also con in the end run by Gary Stroud and spent jail, jail time for I it. I think that's the big twist on there. Yeah. That, yeah, this guy, John Collins was a scammer, but he was scammed by someone much bigger and more professional than him. Um, so uh, with that, uh, if you guys uh, have any questions, comments, or anything on the show, of course, our social media handles, RTA Pod on Twitter, as well as Instagram and Facebook is Rediscovering the Indies. Um, but uh, any thoughts in the show, you send them there. And then uh, what you want to see for us cover uh, later this year and going into 2022. But what I'm really excited about, Ash, is that next month, it's we're commemorating our one-year anniversary doing this. And uh, we started out with the NWA title from 1994 and, until the uh, iteration of TNA in 2002. And now we're going to talk about the history of the NWA title from leaving TNA up until the purchase by Billy Corgan. A lot of Bruce Tharp goodness or Bruce Tharpiness. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot, a lot there. Eh, he's out of the business. He can't hurt us anymore. <laughs> he can't blackball us. There's a lot there. Uh, and still to this day, what, what really did Corgan buy? And like, there's, there, there's a lot of, I still want to know how Tharp got the NWA Houston footage or, or the Houston footage. Like, there's there's a lot out there, so uh, we're gonna deep dive into that, um, and, and you'll see that uh, released uh, uh, probably mid to late uh, August. Uh, stay tuned for that. I want to thank our great sponsor, WN the Wrestling Entertainment Network. Seriously, they're funny, they're entertaining. Check them out. Uh, you could subscribe to YouTube today. WN the Wrestling Entertainment Network. Want to thank BICBB. Uh, Radio Network for always hosting us, as well as the podcast precinct and Matt Johnson, who does a lot of great work there. Thank all the WrestleNomics fans have tuned in. Yes, and 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 well, if you want, if you love my angelic voice, uh, you can hear me on here. But you can also listen to WrestleNomics Radio, which comes out weekly. Uh, if, if 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 once a month is not is is just you need more. <laughs> you can hear me weekly on WrestleNomics Radio with uh, Brandon Thurston, where we break down the business of professional wrestling the week of. Uh, that uh, business professional wrestling. And uh, of course you can check me out, Chris Gullo on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, got a wrestling schedule coming up. Uh, well, I mean, if you're a mixed martial arts fan and you can go to the Lockport, New York, Gary, I'll be at ground force fights at the Keenan center. 
fight started at 6 p.m. on July 24th. I'll be ring announcing that. And then the week after, uh, my hometown promotion, Ash's hometown, our home promotion, Empire State Wrestling, comes back uh, July 31st at Riverworks for 7 p.m. bell time. And that's Stack Show, Facade, KTB, Kevin Bennett, Bill Collier, and much more. So that should be a really sex show. Um, Colin and Cheech and much others. Uh, also, uh, August 7th, Binghamton. Uh, New York will be at the X. Uh, we will, won't we? Yeah, oh yeah, we will be at the X for Sorry We're Open. That's the name <laughs> of the show. Um, you got LSG, Sean Carr, and many others on that show. So that should be a, a really good one as well. Any plugs you got, uh, Ash? Uh, just uh, Instagram, Twitter, at RefAsh, at R E F A S H E, because I am a referee or part time referee at this point. He's more uh, of an executive producer, too. Yes. He's, he's a production yes. wizard. I'm uh, working in conjunction with GoPro, uh, live streaming XWA up in uh, Massachusetts uh, next weekend, which will be uh, the 24th of July, uh, helping them out over there. Uh, ESW, like you said, and pretty much our calendars are pretty much in line. Yeah, and, and folks... September and October are looking late for us. So if you want to, if you're looking for a ring announcer and, an exec, and a production guy, we're the talent you need to call. Well, let, let's wait until after July 31st and see how we feel. Yeah, uh, like maybe we're just like I think I needed some more time off. <laughs> but uh, all right, with that said, we want to really thank all you guys for listening. Our audience continues to grow every month internationally as well. First off, not domestically in the U.S., but I want to thank. We've been on the charts in Canada, Australia. In, uh, you know, uh, Great Britain as well as, um, this, excuse me, England, Australia, Britain, Germany, Germany, yes, Germany. I didn't forget you, Germany. So I want to thank uh, everybody internationally who's listened to us. So with that, um, you know, he's Jonathan Ash. I'm Chris Gullo. Thank you for listening to Rediscovering Indies and keep on supporting independent professional wrestling. Okay, we all see celebrity stories on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, anywhere we can absorb information from every day. But what about the people in our hometowns who make the world go around but don't get any recognition for it? Hi, I'm Dan Torres, and my podcast, Your Average Ordinary, focuses on those people. Those people that have extraordinary lives, jobs, hobbies, talents that you may not even know about that you walk past on the street every day. Join me every Saturday as I'm joined with a new friend to talk about how their average ordinary life impacts so many others. And there's so much to talk about because there are so many different people. You like movies? We talk about that. You like acting? We talk about that a lot. You like video games? I'm always talking about video games. Join us every Saturday, Your Average Ordinary, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere you can find.